0: Like that—that's not good for game balance when one unit is so much better than everything else.
1: Apparently, no uh, well, one—no one just wants to follow up after you talk. Yeah,
0: I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Fine, whatever. You sons <laughs> of bitches. No. Oh. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that handles technical difficulties and just keeps on rolling. I'm your host, Rob. Evan. Dennis. Uh, no Richard this week. Uh, he he had a scheduling conflict, so he's not able to join us this Sunday morning. Uh, this is episode 221, and we are going to be talking about the 9th edition launch that happened yesterday. 9th edition rolled out yesterday. And we're going to talk about our impressions of the things that were released to the public, uh, yesterday and, and how we, we feel about those particular products. Uh, I wish I could talk more about ninth edition games played. However, I've been unable to schedule one lately and it's been too hot to play outside anyway last, uh, week or two. Um, although I do have an invite from, uh, one of the guys at our local game store Pulp fiction comics and games has invited me to play a masked game in his basement <laughs> complete yes. with like temperature checks and everything so <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna try to make this work and I I know people have been playing um like I know Peculiar game and hobby uh, they've had their game room partially open like with like much reduced capacity but they've had enough to their tables are spaced out enough you could have like as long as everyone's wearing masks like Alternating tables we' gonna have about like five you know like ten people playing at once, so I suppose I should go check that place out sometime and see if I can get a game, although I also know that they are having air conditioning issues this weekend, so or this that past week thing. yeah, this is not 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 a good time to have air conditioning issues so so right now, all knowledge of ninth edition for us is still somewhat theoretical, but we're working on that, but uh before we get into that, as always, news new releases. And your listener mail. Yes, the return of uh, listener mail. We have some for the hopper, so we're going to read them. Uh, I'm not going to do any uh, list reviews this episode, though. We received like we received one or two because we just got the points document. And we'll talk also more about why army building is a little bit tricky in our main segment. Uh, but I did want to talk about there are two topics in particular for news and new releases. And the first one, I think, hits kind of close to home for us because this was our first big event that we got to attend as a podcasting group and that is uh the renegade open uh renegade open we have attended from every year from year in some capacity or other from years two through what six <laughs> like we yeah go- yeah And, uh, so this year we were already kind of bummed because with the pandemic, we were, it really didn't seem like it was going to be a good idea to travel to attend the event. So we were already kind of bummed on that. But, uh, this past week, uh, they announced that they are officially canceling the Renegade Open for 2020. Uh, in its place, they are going to have a week earlier than their scheduled date. They're going to have a much, much smaller kind of local tournament. At the Fantasy Flight Game Center, which is a location that is definitely has a gaming room big enough to keep people spaced out gaming table wise. Mm -hmm. Uh, But definitely a far cry from the large, you know, 100 person GT they were hoping to have, plus all the other events. So um, my, my sympathy goes out to them because I totally understand having to make that kind of call. And it's it's not a it's not a happy choice to make, but uh, I know they had talked to several of their like the tournament organizers for their various games and their tournament organizers did not feel comfortable with having a whole bunch of people in a hotel space sharing, you know, sharing the space of the hotel and also playing in the event and just trying to figure out how to do that safely and keep everybody feeling comfortable about it. Just was not in the cards, so yeah. yeah. I mean, considering conventions are already sources of con crud, right? Yeah, invariably someone comes away from from any major event like that feeling ill. Not not a good time for it. So i i i, I wish them well with the the much more smaller event. And again, nothing but sympathy for the decision they had to make.
0: Yeah, it's never never easy to have to make those calls, but um, I think they made the right one. So, um, you know, they'll be back next year, and uh, definitely, you know, we'll try to make it up to that event. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I mean, and uh, as far as like our own event for Midwest Conquest, we are currently playing it by ear. Um, we have been in contact with the 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 convention com- committee for Conquest, the science fiction convention we partner with. Um, they are very supportive. They would love to see us back. They definitely want us to attend because they understand that we're kind of one of the the major events at that convention. But at the same time, everyone's kind of like we've got tentative plans just in case, but we're waiting pretty much until January to pull the trigger. So we will we'll be updating our websites with kind of some information on what our plan, like what our timeline is. But I would not expect us to open up registration until January 1st at the earliest, just so everyone knows. Yep. If if we don't announce by, like, Halloween like we typically do, don't take that as read that we're not doing it. We are taking a very wait-and-see attitude on this.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I know there are a couple of events coming up in the next month or two that are still going on. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, mean, well, I wish them. I wish them luck. I hope everything. Yeah, I hope everything works out and they have smooth events because you know the sooner we can figure out ways to run these events safely and you know without people having issues, the uh, the faster we can get back to doing this for everyone. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Everyone has to make hard decisions right now, so yeah, I can't really begrudge anybody. You know whether you know what decision they make either way. So.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, I also know that, like, uh, you know, you get tied up in contracts with hotels or you know whatever spaces you're you're renting out. I know uh, a number of events have waited for basically force majeure to kick in because you know they they don't want to be on the hook for a ton of money that they still have to pay out if the event if they cancel the event without having to legally cancel the event. So mm-hmm. yeah, it it is there's a lot of factors that go into it so things have moved pretty fast in the last week in this segment i was going to talk about siege world the 40k event that is held on the far side of the state for me in the st louis area and they're the ones that hold the large apocalypse game they've played in the last couple of years they have a gt that they've had last few years and they were going to have all sorts of precautions that they were taking such as spacing people out making sure masks were mandatory and such and in the last week they have canceled their event uh, because they were unsure whether or not the city of Collinsville would still be allowing them to continue to hold the event. They were going to be holding this at a convention center in Collinsville, Illinois, which is right across the river from St. Louis. So uh, in that week, also, we have had Iron Halo and Flying Monkey, which are the two conventions that are still going on. Uh, they announced their COVID-19 policies, which, I mean, it's pretty much what you would expect they say they're following uh state and local guidelines Uh, masks are mandatory at both events inside the facilities uh they are reducing the size of the events so that there are fewer people in the venue and i know uh iron halo is actually at a new venue this year so i have no idea what that space looks like you know again you know if you have any symptoms do not show up if you develop any symptoms leave immediately and contact the uh, tournament organizers so we're going to see if there's actually a way to have a large regional event i know uh, there's been a number of store scale events that have been held i'm assuming those have gone safely uh, but because i haven't heard of any large outbreaks so this is going to be kind of the litmus test for whether or not a 40k event can be held safely in the age of uh, COVID, I have my own concerns. Uh, in the end, what you decide is up to you. At the same time, I would just, with with the way things have been going in this country lately, I would just tell everybody to exercise extreme caution. You know, do whatever you can to keep yourself safe, keep yourself and your community
0: safe. Absolutely, that's the highest priority. Is that if you know we can. It's awesome to have these events like, you know, this week was uh, was Comic-Con at home. Next week uh, is, you know, it was Gen Con that got canceled. Like, I want to have these events come back as quickly as possible as well. But we need to make sure that we're doing them in smart and, you know, safe ways. And if these events can pull that off and figure out how to make these events safe, that's that's awesome. Good for them. So I wish them the best luck and, you know, we'll see how it goes.
1: Right. And, like, I know Las Vegas Open is still tentatively ready to go for late January, early February. Yep. Um, And we don't even know, like, what is that even going to look like, like, you know, ITC-wise, because besides the fact that we've got a brand new set of of missions and such, which we'll be talking about in the second half, there haven't been, uh, you know, with a couple of much scaled down exceptions, there haven't been any major events for people to attend and and like get those those high ranking scores
0: so they did they did talk i want to say it was right around the same time that they itc kind of pulled all of the existing tokens right for events and said hey we're only going to reissue tokens if your event is clear and you know kind of taking that step they also did mention at that same time that they basically weren't going to do a prize for this year. Like whoever wins, it was going to go to charity, get the right? trophy, but it'll go to charity. So I think that's probably the best way to handle it, to kind of take that pressure off of like, look, this year's, this is a unique year. We're not going to give out the same prizes that we did in the past, but we still want people to have events where they're safe and be able to do, you know, do what they can. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, 20, tw- the 2020, 2021 season is pretty much, uh, scrubbed at this point in yeah, any meaningful yeah. way, so, um, yeah, it's it's a weird situation, and and I don't envy anybody having to to be in that situation. All I would ask, uh, like if I if I had something to put out to to TOS out there, if you are still intent on doing an event, find every way to take every kind of reasonable precaution, and like I I don't think necessarily anyone's asking for tournaments or people like put up plexiglass between every table or anything like that. I mean, putting on a convention or even just, you know, a decent sized tournament isn't expensive enough for a, but, you know, I would say take the smaller player count because it's not like anybody's really worrying about whether your event is a major or a GT or a minor right now. Right. Take the smaller player count, issue refunds if, you know, be ready to issue refunds. Uh, and, like, requ- like at this point, require masks. I don't care if your area it has a regulation or not. Require masks because people are traveling from who knows where to play in your event. Encourage people, like, space out your tables as much as possible. Try to keep everything clean but be- between, like, at least between days, if not between rounds. I don't think between rounds there's enough time to get that done. But there's just... Take the reasonable precautions you can and just, again, acknowledge that this is not a normal year. Don't – we can't pretend like it's a normal year. Trying to pretend like it's a normal year is one of the reasons why it's not a normal year right now. Right. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, more events, more events canceled, more events tentative for next year. So not fun, but it is what it is. So, moving on to a happier note, there was a launch party on Twitch last night for the release of 9th edition. Or I should say last night, early in the morning.
0: <laughs> well, it depends where you're at. If it was Australia, it was last night.
1: Yeah, true, true that. <laughs>
0: uh, so,
1: they, uh, they made some interesting announcements. Well, first off, new codexes. And we knew new codexes were coming. Uh, right. obvi- obviously, Space Marines and Necrons are first in line because they've d- just received several new units that need to be rolled into their codexes.
0: Well, I think we knew this was happening because when when the Pariah came out and there were basically no rules for Necrons, we're like, okay, they're getting a codex soon,
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they put up a video, exp- you know, demonstrating like the next generation of codexes. The codexes have been. Uh, updated with new art, new, uh, new story bits, like they're moving the storyline forward, which is awesome. Again, it's nice to see that the 40k universe is no longer stagnant and constantly resetting every edition. The, uh, big, and there's there a couple of things we knew, like crusade material is being worked directly into the codex, so you will have specific narrative pieces to play with inside every codex. So, The fact that they're supporting that narrative play in every book is, I think, more than we've seen from them in the past, where it's like, well, you know, narrative play has always been kind of relegated to, oh, campaign book. Yeah, we just put a couple of missions in the campaign book and that's good enough. Right. It's like, no, this is actually campaign or, you know, crusade specific stuff for every army in their codexes, which is great. The big change, though, besides, you know, they're they're kind of rearranging how things are laid out, trying to make it cleaner. It's very consistent with the ninth edition design philosophy they have it, that they've demonstrated in the core rulebook is the Space Marine Codex. And, Kevin, you are a happy camper.
0: Yeah. I, so I, I like this because they're finally going through and combining everything into one Adeptus of Stardust Codex. And then supplements will come out for all the other chapters that deviate very, uh, greatly from that. The one concern that I have is this could be like a 200, 300 page codex. Because if you're including every single unit from Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, Death Watch, that's a lot. <laughs> so I, I personally would not be surprised if some stuff moves to Legends with this. But that's pure speculation. Just just because with them doing a consolidated codex, which I think is the right move, because you can then go through and update it more frequently. Everything's on the same power level and on the same you know has access to all the same stuff. Space Wolf players don't have to wait three six months until their their you know psychic awakening book comes out to use the stuff from. Shadow Spear, you know, stuff from Indominus will be available. I think it's a really good thing, but I I think that with so many units that are out there, they're going to have to, they're going to have to clear some units out. I just can't imagine they're going to keep everything.
1: Well, uh, it's not going to include every Like, so for example, they've got, like they've shown in the video, they have the chapter tactics page for all the first founding chapters plus Death Watch and uh, Black Templars and Crimson Fist. In there, and so with that, you could play a Blood Angels army with just Codex Space Marines. It would just be the units that are specific or that are not unique to just Blood Angels. So, like, you wouldn't have it wouldn't include rules for like Death Company. It wouldn't include rules for Sanguinary Guard or Mephiston or Dante stuff like that but it would allow you to like if you just want to use I want I have this Primaris army and I've painted it red and I want to use it as Blood Angels that's enough rules to do that. And then the the units that deviate which it makes me wonder how they're going to do like Space Wolves is the one I think will be the biggest difficulty because they don't use like the generic like tactical marine or devastator no. marine like they have their their own terminology. So unless they are going to Keep those like long fangs as a distinct data sheet, or uh, if they're just going to consider, like, you know, I could see them also doing long fangs, see Something devastators, like... right? Yeah, but at the same time, like, they didn't rename like the Primaris Marines that they use, so like, you had space wolf gray hunters and then you had space wolf intercessors. It that is not, also lead leads me to believe that yeah you could start we could start seeing some stuff uh legend out i don't i do not take this to think that we are saying for sure anything that is not a primaris marine is getting retired but that book is is getting thick
0: well and we know that we know that like specifically the stuff that's coming out that's been previewed for the space marines going forward are things like uh the new uh the replacement, the, the primary replacement for the Thunderfire Cannon. Right. The the replacement, which we'll talk about here in a second, for the Predator. We've got a Rhino, uh, a rhino and a uh, Razorback, effectively, like, replacement already. Like, I would not be surprised to start seeing some of these units get eliminated, or some of the options get eliminated, just because we have... You know, how many different Captain options do we have at this point? There's... <laughs> Captain in Terminator armor, captain in Captain in the two various Terminator armors. There's your Primaris Captain in heavy armor, Primaris Captain in Phobos armor, Primaris Captain in regular armor. Your regular Primaris Captain. Like it's it's too many options. So I could definitely see that they would start culling some of that. Um, it just I it just kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah. No. It 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 is kind of a weird situation to have uh, one codex have that many units in it. That said, unless they are going to start putting notes that like certain units can't be used by certain armies. Like I could see them saying, Hey, now you can have blood angels, devastators or not uh, blood angel, centurions or a yeah. uh, blooding An- or like, you know, space wolf centurions. I mean, you could have white scars, centurions and Raven guard centurions. Why can't those chapters have them? Uh so there's no reason,
0: yeah,
1: right, so event yeah you know, yes uh it, it it is a good thing, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the glut of options that space Marines have at the same time they ha- this is a uh they have to tread this very carefully because if they cut all the non premier stuff out or even a fair amount of non premier stuff they risk the uh the ire of customers who have been invested in the game for years and have these full, fully built armies and will suddenly feel like, oh, this this complete you know, it's like we've talked in the past about like how the game doesn't necessarily invalidate your army. This could, if they don't ha- depending on how they handle it. So I I don't envy the position they've put themselves in.
0: Yeah. No the, the- the implementation of this is going to determine whether this is actually like a good thing or not. I like the idea because I have long advocated for getting the rules for Space Marines more consistent. So I've kind of backed off of that a little bit over the, la- the past couple of years just because there have been so many additional rules that I'm like, I don't think it's possible. So I'm very interested to see what they end up doing with this.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm very curious to see. And especially because, you know, as somebody who's working on a Blood Angels army, you know, I'll have a, a book and supplement just like a lot of the other chapters have. Although it also raises the question of, what about all those codex supplements that people had for White Scars, Imperial Fists? Um, it says, players using chapters covered in the last Space Marine Codex can carry on using their expansions. So, okay, so apparently... These will be compatible with the existing they, Codex supplements.
0: Yeah, they specifically mentioned that in the uh, in the in the chat that these were that the existing uh, supplements were going to be compatible. But that creates an interesting scenario because if you're a Blood Angels player, for example, or Space Wolf, or Death Watch, what like, what happens in the meantime? Do they release those supplements? The same time they release this codex do you have to wait three months till you can play your specific chapter like I, those are questions that need to be answered
1: yeah and i i imagine they will answer that these are supposed to hit in october so we've got a couple of months for them to answer those questions mm-hmm. uh, my guess is that we will see something in line with what happened in, with the original founding chapter supplements where the codex is out and then within a month and a half, 2 months, all of, all of them will be updated which yeah, they they're, they're, they're talking four four books, books cuz like <laughs> yeah, so it's like Dark Angels, Space Wolves, Blood Angels, Deathwatch, they like they could release one of those every 2 weeks.
0: Sure. But it's I think it's a good idea. I want to see how they implement it. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like I I like the idea of having the space Marine book that has all of the unit options in there for everybody. I like the idea of making those units available to everybody and then the specific units for flavor for the individual, individual chapters. Right.
1: All right. So moving on to uh, new models uh, we have, as Kevin had mentioned a predator replacement. So they've basically taken the impulsor, which was the, the Rhino slash razorback, Grav replacement, and we now have uh, the Gladiator, which, for all intents and purposes, is a floating predator. It's
2: yeah,
1: it's got sponsons. It's got a turret with various loadouts. It Looks like we've got you know an option that has twin las talons and multi meltas. There's one that uses a there's a build that has an on, uh, twin heavy onslaught Gatling cannon and tempest bolters, which are basically upgraded hurricane bolters or one that has uh, looks like the, the, like the big Laz destroyer gun on it. And uh, just a pair of bolters or possibly heavy bolters for the sponsons.
0: I like it because it gets, again, it's like it's additional options, you know, like I don't know that the predator had all of those options available to it. And like, because you know, thinking about this in the perspective of having a combined uh, space marine codex to pull everything from, like the one with the, the the gladiator reaper, the one with the onslaught gatling cannons, and the hurricane, and the tempest vultures—that's basically your replacement for the ball predator. Yeah, that's the but exactly what I it in a way now where it. this is available to everybody. So all the chapters will have access to it. So mm-hmm. I think that's good.
1: Yeah. So no, I I'm. I'm, I'm I like the design and i I want to see more like if they have any other variants or if like if you can make mi- like I'm assuming you'll be able to like mix and match like sponsons probably. and turrets yeah,
0: probably yeah uh
1: then next up uh, this one we had kind of seen from uh, earlier leaks and and images from like kind of in the background of some of the other like preview images they had and that is the new monolith which I, I think keeps I love the this model. <laughs> Yeah, it keeps the old aesthetic but definitely updates it to fit like yeah. newer mo- the newer modeling and and kind of where they've gone with the design of Necrons since that model has been released. Cuz yes. the monolith yeah, like, is an old kit at this point.
0: Absolutely. And like I still like the old monolith. Um I think it is a very well-made model for when it was when it came out, but this this new model incorporates like all of the new stuff they're doing with like uh, the new illuminator and like the the stuff they're coming out with the silent king model that they've previewed they're they're using a lot more black stone in it like the but uh, when you look at the model like the interior of it like the interior walls are like all made of black stone and stuff uh, which I think is really cool and it really fits in aesthetically with the tesseract vault um, because the tesseract vault is a, is a great looking model but it didn't really mesh with the old monolith because it was a lot more intricate, and a lot more like, you know, ornate. And I think this one is, uh, is a really good pairing for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's got uh, new, uh, weapon options like for the, the four corner weapons. So, you know, we've got a little bit of variance and build, and hopefully, it's got an updated rule set in the new codex that makes it a little more viable. Like it, it's it's kind yeah. of a model where you hadn't seen people taking monoliths for a long while because it just it was over. It was one of those models where it was it was okay, but it was over cost, way over costed for what it could do. Yeah.
0: Well, and like the the addition change and the changing to, the changes to vehicles was the big was like the big downside because it used to be. 14 all around. Like it used to be a Land Raider. And then now it's just like, ah, it's just a big vehicle with a lot of wounds. And it all of a sudden it kind of not didn't become worth taking uh in the new edition. So hopefully this one will will be useful. Obviously the old ones still have this ability too, but I really like when they were showing it in the preview. They uh they were talking about the uh the Oh, gosh, I'm just blanked on it. The door where, like, you, the portal where you can, uh, the eternity like, door. summon, yeah, where you can, like, summon necrons out of it and stuff, which is what you could do in the old one. But, like, the way that it's designed on this one is just a lot cooler. Like, I, I it just looks neat. I love this model.
1: And I love that they have options where it's like you can have it with just the flickering energy field or you can have it with a necron warrior materializing out mm-hmm. of it. Yeah.
0: The other thing that I noticed is this is on a base. Yes. Yes, it is. So, yeah, like... It's I, on a thick, the, It looks like a
1: thick flying base, too, but I'm... Well,
0: it looks like a round base.
1: Well, I mean, the, there's a round base, yeah. and then there's a, oh, the, yeah, a clear the plastic, plastic component.
0: Well, the clear plastic component is probably similar to what they're using for the Space Marine graft Tanks, because it's, like, just a little, like, quarter-size, you know diameter piece of plastic that's a couple inches tall that the whole thing just sets on and it sets really sturdy. I like this because this is a stealth way to start getting tanks and vehicles on bases.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: So yeah, I'm excited. This, this model is fucking awesome. All right. And then,
1: then the last bit, a few new models that are teased and then one revealed. Uh, So they did a video showing off a number of new models or, or snippets of new models. So things that were were clearly visible were looks like a a plague spewer on some death guard model uh looked like a leaping witch elf of some sort or some you know some other Drukari or Dennis, you said possibly Inari
2: yeah, I, the guesses I've been hearing online is this might be a new Unari unit. That
0: would be cool.
1: and then we I think there was also a new mechanicus character or model, a new orc boy of some sort. And then the model they ended with uh, a couple close ups and then revealing the entire model is a sister of battle palatine, which if you are familiar with the old, old sisters of battle codexes, like you could choose your, your main character to be like a canonist, or at a cheaper point level, you could make them a palatine, which was effectively a lieutenant. And so that's, that's what this will be is a lieutenant for the sisters of battle army. And the new model looks great. She's, She's got a plasma yeah. pistol in one hand and a rosary in the other. And uh, she's got her power sword at her hip. And she looks none too pleased at whoever she's getting ready to shoot. It's, you know, just, again, a nice dynamic model for the Sisters line. Yeah, so there's there's several new models coming down the pipes in the next few months. And, you know, they're, they're making sure that we know that it is not just Space Marines and it is not just Necrons. It is, like... A lot of factions are going to get somebody or other that they can use,
0: which is good. Which is good yeah, so that's the always a complaint. Part with you know, yeah. The interesting part with this is, you know, it's a new unit for Sisters. So maybe at some point we get a new Codex for Sisters, which means 10th edition can't be more than like six months away. <laughs> Since they're they're the harbingers of the end, the harbinger of a new edition. So just saying. No, I, I I'm excited for for them having this. This seems I will, the only complaint I have, and I get why they did it this way. This seems like something they could have added in Pariah for Sisters, and then been like, "Hey, there's like another new unit." And it's like, because Pariah—I mean, we talked about it last time, but it—it it just kind of didn't have a lot in it. So, like, throwing in the rules for a unit like this in that book would have would have been helpful. But I don't know. I don't know what their plan is going forward. So.
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, we we didn't see a make-your-own Necron dynasty either, and I'm wondering if the new Space Marine Codex and the new Necron Codex will even have the make-your-own, or if that is going to be a relic of psychic awakening for the the chapters that had it.
0: That's That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Or I could see that being something that's relegated to Crusade.
2: Yeah, that's how I was about to say, Kevin, is I think it will be a relic um, going forward. And I think they'll roll that into Crusade. Yeah, they they do that. that.
1: Yeah. Then it'll be also interesting to see how they handle the other chapters where it was added in Psychic. Because like, you know, Space Marines had it in their codex. Everybody else has had it added in Psychic Awakening. So how they're going to unify that or if they'll just FAQ or rotted it out. Not sure. So. Yeah, I'm curious to see where that goes. But I, I do kind of agree with you. Like it would have been nice to release that model with Pariah, but I also have to wonder if they kind of looked at their release schedule and were like, we don't want to we don't want to dump everything right before this. It, it does make me think that there's a new a, a sisters codex possibly coming sooner rather than later. But yeah, don't know. Don't know. It's kind of Kind of a weird model to drop in the uh the flow of things, so right, so yeah, we'll see what comes in the next few months, but they you know g w has definitely not been sitting on their laurels as far as like getting stuff ready to go for this year, even with everything going on they are they are carrying forward. And so we are going to also carry forward, and we're going to do that by switching over
0: to Listener Mail. Actually, actually, before we jump to Listener Mail, I had one other thing that oh, I wanted I to talk about. I had such a good segue, and you had I, to mess I, it up. I didn't want to cut it off. But uh, I wanted to point out, I was scrolling through Facebook this morning, and uh, my Facebook memories came up. Seven years ago today, the three of us were at North American Games Day. Yes. In Memphis. Mm-hmm. So... I just want to take this opportunity to say GW, please do this again.
2: <laughs> well, and it was such a blast closer to doing something like that. Cause I saw an article that said they're going to be opening another cafe in California.
0: Oh, nice. Where are at in California. Did they say,
2: uh, I think it was in the article, but I don't remember. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. Yep. So it will be their second one in North America. So if nice. this keeps up, maybe they will bring a game day back over, but we'll have to see. Yeah.
0: So, sorry, I didn't mean to to ruin your, your wonderful segue, but I, I wanted to point that out, that it was literally, it doesn't feel like it was seven years ago. That's crazy to me, but it was.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, this, like, next year will be our 10th anniversary. Just think about that. Uh, uh, or don't, I if it makes you feel better. It.
0: Well, I mean, for me, it's not. So really, the podcast at the start then. It started. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh.
1: yeah. Well, anyway, as I was saying, all let- all our letters are written by you, the listeners. And if you want to know how you can get a letter to us uh, to read on the air, we'll tell you how at the end of the segment. So our first one is from Robert Fennell. Robert writes, hi, guys. It's Rob from 40K to Grownups, the Facebook group. I feel your pain regarding rushing the recording out, which we had to do for the last episode. Uh, The email from GW changing the date of release within 12 minutes, no, with 12 minutes notice was a bit of a stretch. Obviously, this was because of leaks and was a pain for all the content producers. I had to release it with no, he had to release his with no editing. Uh, My questions are, how do you feel about leaks in general? As people who are able to get pre-release items to review, it's different for us, but how do you think they help or detract for the hobby after overall? Does seeing a potato camera or potato quality camera picture first hurt the impact when they announce it or not? Or do you think it builds Excitement for the announcement. I'm not a fan of the whole book getting leaked because that hurts GW sales, but what about things like the Hammerfall Drop Bunker, which, by the way, I hope it has anti take options in the future because I personally love it? I'm still undecided in my thoughts on leaks. One thing I know is I felt sorry for those in the community, the community team at GW yesterday. Must have been a very busy day for them. Thanks for keeping up with the great stuff you're putting out. You guys are great. Well, thanks, Robert. So, yeah, leaks. Leaks, leaks, leaks.
0: And I have two minds of them. Like they are – GW has realized that they are a very effective marketing tool when they can kind of control it. And then, and then obviously if they're controlling it, it's not really a leak. But some of – like the, the good example was the, the potato camera uh, image of all the Necron stuff. Like they that was released, and I don't know if that was GW that did it or somebody else leaked it, but somebody leaked the grainy image and then like a day later they like built on that excitement and released the high quality image and like with their clever markups and stuff. That was a really good way to build interest for it. People got excited for those models and like that release and that that worked out really well. So, I don't know, if used properly it can be a way to build excitement, but I also think that if you're I agree that like if you're releasing the entire rulebook, that's not good for any for everybody because then certain segment of people will just, you know, download the leaked copy and won't buy the book or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, as we and I know we've talked about this in the past, we haven't in a while because GW has been a lot better about this. But the thing that people have to realize is that if GW, the company doesn't continue to make money and perform well, then the hobby will eventually suffer and, and or go away. Like, GW has to be a, you know, a company that turns a profit for them to continue to make stuff. And I know that, like, you know, one or two people, like, leaking a book, whatever, isn't really going to hurt their profits too much. But that is something in a macro sense that we have to be aware of, that piracy does hurt the company, which will eventually hurt the game in the long run. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that boils down to people leaking rules, using... China cast, etc. You know, like there's, there's a number of things that factor into that, but I don't know. I, I think, I think some leaks can be good for excitement, but yeah, like the, the whole thing's not leaking. The whole thing is not great.
2: Well,
1: no, like there are some things like I honestly, the, like the potato quality camera photos, I, those, I I have I I I have no evidence for this so I just put that out there but I have my suspicions that a number of those situations are intentional. Yes. Like you you because if anybody is serious about a leak especially in this day and place where everybody has really good cameras on their phones, there's no quality to have a
0: grainy you know well, indecipherable photo. Okay. So I agree with you. Yes. That is the case. However, I also know from personal experience that some people are just asses about this stuff. Um, the example that I think of is back in 2011. So, yes, cell phone cameras and quality were a little bit different. But Sporting Kansas City, the soccer team that I follow in Major League Soccer, rebranded from the Kansas City Whispers to Sporting Kansas City. And they announced the rebrand. They announced that, like, on Monday they are going to have the big events. And the, the new logo was leaked on, like, Sunday to Reddit. And it was leaked as, like, a very grainy... Somebody clearly took a cell phone of an image on a, on a screen that, like, was, like, not high quality. And that was the first image that people had seen of the new logo, and people hated it. The reason for that was the person who got the leak also hated the new logo and wanted to present it as poorly as possible. I okay. don't know if that's the case with the potato camera stuff, but I do know that there are people that have bad intentions of like, I want to make this company look bad. I want this to look bad. So I will take a, take a photo and blur it and make it look bad. I, I, I know that's happened. I don't think that's what happened with the potato camera, because I, I personally kind of think that's a GW, accent, you know, leak that to build hype. But I do know that there, you know, that is that is a problem with leaks. There are people out there with positive and negative agendas with those leaks. Some people just want to get, you know, the scoop and get get it out there first. Some people are, you know, have an extra grind and, and don't like the changes. So they want to present those changes as poorly as possible to get people on their side.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the part about leaks with like, again, the, the core book leaks, uh, that like, that like Robert here is talking about. And one of the reasons why we did have to try to push our, our episode out when we did as, as a content creator, because I mean, that's, that's what we are. We are, we are content yeah, creators yeah. working in concert with the, the mothership, even in a kind of quasi official fashion where like they are, they are sending us Material specifically, so we can look at it and give our opinions, positive and negative, uh, to the public, with the the understanding and the legal documentation that we will not announce that stuff ahead of time. Like they Absolutely. give us that we are provided with a street. And, you know, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. Although this should not be a surprise to anybody. You know we know how this works. Uh, You know, anybody who's seen like movie reviews has heard heard the term of like movie, like a review embargo, like you're not allowed to talk about a movie before this date. That's there so that the company that is providing us with this product has a chance to control, if not the narrative, the flow at which information is released. And it benefits the creators because they can all like everybody can kind of come out. Nobody really gets the scoop because they, you know, it the entire community kind of gets it and you can choose which outlet you want to get your information from. And it's frustrating that somebody got at got their hands on the box and decided to just I'm just going to take photos of all the rules sections and all the the unit stats and everything and I'm just going to throw that all online. And I don't think they were trying to make GW look bad. I think they just Maybe they just got excited and wanted to throw that stuff out there. You know, be the, you know, and I, I, it's like, I don't think I saw anybody necessarily crowing like, haha, I'm the first, like I broke the scoop. I got this out there. Cause they definitely didn't want to do that because they knew they right. basically they've, they've just tanked their NDA. You know, they've, they're right. not getting, again, I'm, I am positive that GW knows who did it. I am absolutely positive And I'm sure somebody got their, their rights to get future con preview stuff pulled. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. Again, I don't have I don't have direct evidence of that or anything, but I'm my guess is there's a reason they have assigned NDAs.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: The the situation there was it put everybody in a bad position. Every other content creator is now no longer like they now have to try to get ahead of it because now they are, they're going to be old news. Like they're, they're especially for podcasters. It's not as bad because we, you know, we're releasing on a, on a regular, like biweekly schedule more or less, but like, especially YouTube videos where they've had to record this. And then it goes into a a video editing process, which it takes the time it takes, you know, it's you, you can't really rush video editing unless you just want to release the raw video out there. And, you know, if you have a chance, like, if you're making money via YouTube ads or making money via, you know, a Patreon where you release videos ahead of time to your patrons or you release special videos to your patrons, uh, you've got kind of, you know, that that is your, your money, <laughs> that is your breadbasket right there, and somebody is stealing that from you. So, I think it you know even more, you know it doesn't show a lot of respect to GW. It doesn't show a lot of respect to the rest of the content creators. I, and I understand they wanted to get that information out there probably, and I'm just I'm going to probably get some heat for saying this. I can almost guarantee you it's somebody from the competitive community. And the reason I say that is because that is the community that is most invested in getting started early trying to you know figure out this you know figure out the game mm. trying to solve the game you know i again i don't know i don't know who and that it, that is my get that is purely my guess is that it's somebody in the competitive community who got a hold of it and wanted to get it out there so that the rest of the competitive community could start picking apart the system and figuring out what's good what's not because so, I can tell you the crusade. Because I I will tell you one thing: the crusade rules were not leaked. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: no, if that if that,
1: if that doesn't true. if that doesn't point to to the interests of the person involved, I don't know what does.
0: Yeah, I will say this: I, even though it was it was a scramble, I applaud GW for changing the release embargo date because that could have put people in a really bad position if. They didn't change it. They're like, no. Even though we've had one leak, we're not, or you know, multiple leaks, whatever. We're not going to let everyone else release it. That puts a lot of other content creators in bad positions, and that puts them in positions where they have to decide if they want to break the NDA, which hurts them in the long run. So, I, I do applaud GW for making the the update. I wish it hadn't had it hadn't happened, hmm. but I think they I think they responded correctly, even though it did make people have to scramble
1: yeah so my feeling on leaks is in small doses especially if gw's kind of directing the leak quote unquote that it it can be fun and and gw's done a pretty good job over the last few years of getting ahead of that if in fact it is actual leak leaks or getting in 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 chart like the classic is still the armon and karn leak Mm -hmm. where, like, somebody saw a box, you know, like, oh, look, there's a box with Ariman in it, or Magnus, or something. Like, I can't remember which one it was. But, like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But did you see this? Boom. And then reveal more. And I think that's that's the way to get ahead of it. But sometimes, like, but, like, leaks where you're just, like, here's the book. That's a bad leak. (laughs) That is a very bad leak. Especially when you've been, like, this isn't somebody who, like, caught a copy of it from, like, the warehouse this is somebody who got their copy and immediately just vomited it online Bleh. not a fan all right moving on next letter is from james brown james writes hey guys it's me again firstly i hope you and all your families are keeping as safe as can be during these weird times and thank you for continuing to make the show to bring some sunlight to the weirdness that is 2020 that's all we can do and we are going to keep doing it A quick question for you all. I have a Custodes army, and I was wanting to get your thoughts and feelings on whether a straight-up GW plastic Custodes army would be viable, or do you think to have any kind of chance, you'd have to inco- include Forge World 2, especially now that we can include Sisters of Silence in our lists?
2: And my, f- my first thoughts on that are, one, you can include Sisters of Silence without needing the Forge World, but I will say the Forge World stuff is, that's where right now Custodes get a lot of their grav tanks. Yeah, I mean, that's, um,
1: that's where their punch is right now in many yeah. ways.
2: The, the plastic, you can do a lot of good things with plastic, and the majority of my stuff is plastic. I think my forge world for custodes is just um, one unit of the flamethrowers and the Orion, and the Orion is not good. I don't see it getting good. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, yes, you can make it and make it and be fun, I mean, we're still split balling because I haven't seen all of the rules or if the points are going to change for Forge World units because that's still up there mm. if and when those new indexes are coming. Well, not when, but... If, no, not if, <laughs> but... When. Yes, definitely wow. when. It, it, it's not an if, it is a when. Yeah. Um, but those tanks I still think will be... I don't say the bread and butter, but highly important for Castodes. I own zero of them, so... So
0: what's interesting to me is obviously like we're talking about a new edition, so we don't know all the interactions and how all the meta is going to shake out. I kind of take the opposite approach. I actually think the forge world stuff is going to be less important. The changes to fly means that those vehicles still provide a lot of punch, but they're not as invulnerable as they used to be. They're not quite as good as they used to be because you can't, you know, fall back and shoot fully as as normal and things like that. And with the the changes to the missions in Ninth Edition, survivability is going to be key. And Custodes are an army that has a ton of survivability with the two up armor saves and the number of wounds you have. So, I my my suspicion is, and this is I haven't played yet, so I, I don't know. My suspicion is that I think a infantry heavy Castode's list will probably do pretty well in this edition
1: we yeah the i don't think the caladius is going to be as powerful although uh because i don't think their guns have become blast weapons you know be like you won't be able to necessarily tie them up with close combat they'll just continue to fire at the people who have assaulted them if that's what happens but with a lot of benefits still falling to like like, you know, like, for example, bikes can fire heavy weapons, which I believe the, are their missile launchers
0: heavy? Like,
1: on uh, the bikes?
0: Yes. You said tentatively? Uh, I believe they are.
1: Yeah, their missiles are heavy, heavy one and heavy D3, which now means they're, they can hit on twos instead of on threes because they don't have the, the penalty to hit. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, the flak burst missiles add one to hit rolls against targets that can fly, so. Yeah, I mean they're still going to be hitting everything on like everything on twos effectively, uh, so which makes the bikes even better, and you know, and the bikes rocking a you know a what, two up five. Let's see with Aegis of the Emperor, they've got what like four a up. two up four up. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I uh, I could definitely see a return to to bikes and infantry as a viable yeah. list.
0: Now, like. It- there are still issues. Like the the reason why the forge world stuff is popular is because a it was super good, but it is the the heavy weaponry in this. Like the only real heavy stuff you get is if you take a land raider or a the multi melta on the, the contemptor. Whereas all of the forge world stuff is like the heavy weapon stuff. It's all of your your heavy destroyers, your Teleman dreadnought with like all of its stuff, like. So I think there is a spot for the Forge World stuff in the army mm-hmm. um, because you don't have a lot of that heavy anti anti heavy uh, uh, vehicle stuff in the existing codex by itself. But I think I think you can play it be completely viable without having to dip into Forge World.
2: That's where I'm still unsure because my issue with running like full. Well, I mean, if you include the jet bikes, yes, you're probably right, Kevin. But if you go in full infantry, they're going to have problems getting to places because it's it's the same as the old time when you had like a Terminator army. Other armies can just outmaneuver them because they've got the mobility.
0: Well, I mean, the mobility, the limitations of mobility are an issue, but you also have the ability to deep strike basically everything in the army. And you can spend reserve points or command points to put things in reserves, potentially outflank potentially come in you know uh, off the edges and things so i i don't i think there's more options than they've had in the past i also think that the changes to command points are going to help them out because uh-huh. all of a sudden now you have the ability to do, use all of your special abilities so i i think custodes are going to be in a good spot
2: oh i think they'll be in a great spot um, but i i still think the forge world stuff at least sprinkled in will definitely help
0: for sure well and that's That's what I kind of think that they that they how Forge World should work. Forge World stuff should be supplemental to the existing codex to fill in gaps or add you know a few neat units. They shouldn't be like this unit is so much better than everything else that you have to take a Leviathan Dreadnought over every other Dreadnought book. Like that, that's not good for game balance when one unit is so much better than everything else. I think what'll what'll really Matters when they come out with the index and they update all the Forge World stuff because it's entirely possible that they move all the Custode's graph tanks to Legends
2: and you just don't have access to them. Anymore. Oh man, that so would awesome. people would be upset about that,
1: but I, like I, it, I have to quite a lot of those. Let's let's be honest, a lot of those people did not get those from Forge
0: World. Oh, sure, but uh, <laughs> that's a whole separate conversation, but like, and Which that's not just had, to I think, the, <laughs> right? That's not to say that they will do that. But that's a possibility. Anytime they release an update now, like there's a possibility that older units or units they want to take out of the game could get removed. GW could just decide that it's the Forge World, the Forge World craft tanks are awesome and really only meant for 30k, so they're just going to stay at 30k now.
2: Yeah, that was about what I was going to say. Is maybe well, yeah, they could do that by just saying, well, these are 30k only now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: well, we'll have to see if the, if that happens. I, there would be some pushback against that, but again, it's like. You know, it is, uh, you know, I guess it depends on like, I think Dennis has the right, we have to see the index to, yeah. s- to see what happens. Yeah, it's, I, I, but I think as of, as of right now, you could make a pretty decent army using just plastic. Yeah. And, and I would not, I would not drop any, like if you don't already have the, the forge world units, I would not pick them up until after the index.
2: Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. Or unless you are interested in playing 30k, or you just like having the cool models, but right, yeah. But if you're you're looking at from a game, yeah,
1: yeah. If you're specifically looking at like, do I
2: have to have this to have a decent army? Wait and see. I'd say if do you need this to have a decent army, I'd say no. Uh, They will make it better probably, but wait and see for if it'll be better. But the biggest thing I say is if the models look cool to you, go for them. But if not, gray plastic will work.
1: You know, you know, or, or, hey, maybe when they start, as they're releasing new models, maybe we'll see plastic, you know, either Forge World models ported to plastic, which we've seen happen before, or maybe just like, hey, here's the, that's the 30K version. Here's the 40K version.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is plastic Thunderhawk confirmed.
1: I'm that's not a- not saying that. <laughs> All right, next up uh, from Dale Kimball. Dale writes, I just discovered your podcast and I want to let you guys know how much I've enjoyed it. Thanks for doing what you guys do. Well, thank you, Dale. Uh, I have an oddball question. I figured asking some oddballs would get me a good answer. Uh, every year, except this year, COVID, uh, there's a local 40K event in the Pacific Northwest called OFCC. Fantastic group of people. Can't recommend it highly enough. It's a five-game event over two days, heavily focused on casual games. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Uh, Teams of four face off and captains matchmake to ensure everybody gets good games. Event encourages taking lists that aren't face-burning tourney lists, so you get to bring the stuff you want without worrying about maximizing efficiency. So basically, like, our casual event, but as a team event. I like it. Uh, Yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, I want to make a new army damn near every year. I'm allowed... (laughs) I'm a lousy player and an okay painter, but I like to think I'm a good converter. So it's my chance to really pull out the stops and build something goofy. I've done Nurgled Imperial Guard, all Dreadnoughts, Sisters with Drop Churches, Drop Pods that are small churches, all Grot Mechanized, tons of Grot Tanks, all Scratch Built. And last year I did a Counts as Guard Tank Army and all Grots and Squigs, big squids with cannons strapped on as Russes, giant squid with giant cannons as Bane Blades, etc. So the actual question, what's next? I've been really feeling the counts as army of grots and likely to do another. Question is, what army? Adeptus Mechanicus has a lot of abilities, cyber grots everywhere. A Tau Crisis suit army lets me build lots of little grot Gundams, or grotdoms. <laughs> I've been lunuling with a Star Wars army as well though, giant R2-D2 Stompa X-Wing Dockajets, orcs and grots and orange flight suits, etc. I'm in the paralysis by analysis stage and I only have one year to make the craziest, best looking, and goofiest list ever. So, what am I building? My criteria. Conformity slash spamminess. It's a huge deal when facing a sea of dollar store dinos covered in guns for my opponent to easily tell what he's looking at rules-wise. All my squig Russes were armed identically. Eliminates any guesswork or gotchas for my opponent. Is it a big scaly dude with scrap armor and guns? It's a leman rest with a heavy bolter. So I need a list where I can make things easily identified and have a consistent loadout. Total model count. Lower is better. If everything on the board is scratch made, made out of garbage and cheap toys, it takes time to do each one. I want to keep it manageable in order to really put the time into each one. General badassery. I just want to give my opponent the experience of playing something new and fun. Any suggestions? Thanks for reading my ramblings and super excited to hear your thoughts. Oh, ooh, Grotcrons. Master Blaster-style grots riding on beat-up junky Necrons. Uh, double Dreadmob. Grots and Gundams. Uh, okay, I gotta go. Otherwise, I can do this all day. Thanks again, Dale.
0: Okay. The crossing and Gundam by D is great. I love that.
1: <laughs> I uh, personally, yeah. Anybody who knows me and has seen my my fashion selection, uh, I'd be all for the Star Wars Orc Army. Star Wars, Star Wars, <laughs> uh, and also like as you list, you know, like the idea of the giant R two D two Stomp or X wing dockage jets. Those will definitely help cut down your overall model count by being worth lots of points. Yeah. Uh, Mechanicus has a lot of of interesting builds now, um, it, with all the stuff they had in their psychic awakening book. And, uh, you could do a lot with like, you could do neat flyers. You could do, um, I don't know if like do some sort of weird orc cavalry or winged
0: orcs. Yeah. And then they've got like the cool, like dune strider and, uh, the, the, oh gosh, what's the, the crawler tank that they the have? onager. Monitor, Thank you. I was like, what is those could be done as really cool conversions as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could have, re- you could have a lot of fun with those with works
2: <laughs> for me. The two that jumped out on from his ideas would be one. Yes. The star Wars one sounds really interesting, which when, with as popular as star Wars still is, um, you should be able to find star Wars pieces pretty easily. The other one that I really liked would be the grots and Gundams. Cause that just sounds hilarious. Um, just tiny grots in the little towel suits that are then painted up like Gundams. I think that would be fun. Yeah, it seems like most most everything is, is grot and squig based. I'm trying to think what other armies would be good for grots and squigs.
0: Well, so if you're wanting to do, uh, maybe not necessarily for grots and squigs, but a low model count army would be doing something with like custodes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know exactly. Well, maybe you could do something like combination, like we talked about, both like sisters of silence, is like grotz, and then like using orcs or something as like the custodes to kind of oh, put them, make be- them bigger or something.
2: Yeah, and that would be
0: a low low model count army.
2: The other one I was thinking based on custodes uh, would be like squats with superior armor.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, so so what I was kind of thinking of when, uh, with the custodes is like the the fantasy uh or age of sigmar uh oh i, I don't remember the name of the fa- the faction now but the orc clan with like the heavy armor the iron jaws and like the iron jaws you use them as like the custodes and paint them in gold or whatever you know, and add some custodes iconography to it and then use like the smaller grottes or whatever as as like your sisters of silence or like an imperial guard regiment that's going with them uh, I think that could be really cool looking.
1: I, I just thought about... Uh, I was thinking more about the, the Grot Gundams, and I'm going to layer an extra layer or two on here. Run the eight <laughs> as, as Grot Gundams, but then make every Gundam one of the Gundams from, like, Gundam Wing.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, it could be done. They're all equipped differently, so, like, you've got... Like, you could have, like, the heavy arms Gundam being the broadside. You could have Death Scythe as, like, Farsight. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you, you, there, there's, there's stuff you could do with that. <laughs> no, I, I, there, there's, uh, the, the Castorks also does sound like a, a fun one. I mean, you could do Orky jet bikes painted gold for your Virtus Praetors. There's, there's lots of fun you could have with that one. And, like you said, it'd be a smaller model count. And custodes are probably going to be a passable army this year. So like Yeah, you know.
0: yeah I don't think it would be overpowered, but I think you could definitely uh, you definitely have fun playing with them.
1: Hey, and then you could scratch built some orc caladius if you don't want to go with Ford World mods. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna tie this all together. Synergy like Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, Dale, those those are all also, I'm gonna, I'd say our top three would probably be the Tau Crisis suits, Star Wars, or uh, Custorks.
0: Yeah. And then I finally, I really like the Gundam idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that I think there's there's a lot of fun you could have with that. All right, and then our final letter. This one is a follow up to something we talked about in episode 217, and I I'm really glad we got this one. This is from James McManus, and James writes, "Dear Rob." You mentioned in episode 217 about somebody painting up Space Marines in Vanta black. Well, I did it. Back in January, actually. I just got around to listening to episode 217. I decided to strip my, uh, Dark Angels army and repaint them in a pre-heresy scheme. A few things of note. I painted one with an airbrush and one with just regular brush. I primed them as usual. Both cases, I did two coats with 24 hours of drawing time between coats. Both ended up fuzzy. There's texture from the paint itself, so why I only did two models? They are black, like real black, and have no definition with the Vanta black. The photo attached, the model is light uh, underlit magnifying or under a lighted light magnifying glass. Thanks for your podcast; it's a great list, great to listen to. Have fun, James. And so, yeah, James painted a black. Dark Angel, and it does, like, it did pick up a little bit of texture, and he added some, like, highlighting on the edges because otherwise it would just be flat. <laughs> it, yeah. would, it would just be, everything would be lost in the darkness. So, I think the te- the texture is an unfortunate side effect of the paint, but something tells me Vanta Black was not made for tiny miniatures.
0: Not at all. And, like, part of it's because there's a really high carbon content in the Vanta so I'm pretty sure that's what's causing the fuzziness. Mm-hmm. That said, the highlights really pop on this <laughs> because of how dark it is. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you can figure out a way to get rid of the fuzziness, and then you know, get it, get it a smooth black, and then dry brush it, that's it. Like you're done.
1: <laughs> Wonder if anybody uh, actually and actually there is a video from Midwinter Minis that he released last November. I'll put this in the show notes. Uh, called, is the blackest black good for painting miniatures? So, I- I'm going
0: to guess he probably comes up with the, the answer of no, but... I mean, yeah, you see models
1: painted... Like, I'm seeing some people painting, like, black 3.0 or 2.0. Yeah, black 2.0 is dark, but you can still kind of see some detail. Black 3.0 is, like, almost no detail reflects. So, uh,
0: yeah, so- it's something that tells me it's not quite there for mini painting. So here's here's one thing that I might be really neat, and and I have, again have no idea if this would actually work. So I am printing up uh, my three D printer a bunch of Necron terrain right now because there's a lot of great source models for it, and there's just some cool stuff. So you take the you, you print the Necron like that the Necron terrain like wall that I printed or that that uh, pyramid monolith. Take that, spray paint it, Vance, you know, paint it Vansa black. And then go in with like a glow in the dark green and do like the, the lines in the interior with it. I, I don't know what, how that would work, but that might be really cool. That might be a cool use for it. It's on like something larger, like terrain pieces instead of actual models.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actual models. I think, you know, unless you just want something to look like a hole in the universe, like you're going to have some definition on it. And, Like I'm seeing model, like I'm seeing more photos of models painted in like I think black 3.0 is like the new dark black, and again it's it's dark but it's it's not the mythical absolute darkness. Although okay, somebody did a couple of coats on a wraith knight or not even wraith knight, wraith guard in uh, 3.0. I'm gonna put this in the Discord chat.
0: Wow, that is looking straight into the void.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But something tells me that that's after a few coats.
0: Yeah, there are models that I think could be could benefit from that. Like the um, stealth suits is one that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I don't know what the how what the utilization the utility for um, for models is. Like I don't think there's a lot of like super great use for it. But it is neat to see people experimenting out uh, around with different paints and different colors.
1: Yeah, I am seeing people saying that it is still like, like, and like you said, because the high carbon content, it is a very chunky paint, even when you water it down. So yeah, texture is going to be an issue. But but James, thank you for taking the bullet on that one and and giving it a go. Because I don't, th- I, there's not a lot of, I, I don't know how many people, well, I mean, obviously there's some we're seeing other models painted with and mm-hmm. experimented with, but it's cool to actually like say, like, I'm going to try this on a couple of test models to see if it works for my army. And hey, it didn't quite do what you wanted it to, but you took the initiative to try it out, which is cool. So thank you for sharing that with us. And if you have something you want to share with us, whether it's a comment or a response to something in a past episode, or if you've got a question, or like I said, we'll be getting back to list reviews once we have list building software that can actually like do point totals for us. And we've had a chance to kind of look at how the point totals have uh, changed if you have the, any of those that you want to send to us, there are three easy ways to do it. First off, is you can email us, and our addresses are our first name at enemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Second is on Facebook. We are at Facebook.com slash preferred enemies. You can like us, follow us, and send us messages there. Uh, third is Twitter. We are at Twitter.com slash preferred enemy singular. Uh, and we take uh, answers and questions and such from all those sources collate them together put them in the hopper and try to get through as many as we can in a reasonable amount of time in each episode uh, so we've got like, actually one or two queued up for next time once like I said we can get back to looking at army lists but feel free to get those in and we will get to them as soon as we can so we're going to go take a quick break for sponsor identification and when we get back we're going to talk about the ninth edition launch and what we think of what hit stores yesterday see you in a bit
2: miniatures we build them we paint them we love them that's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely and that's where KR MultiCase comes in they offer a
1: complete model storage and transport system
0: they offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures as well as custom cut trays for specific models
2: kr's trays are made of a soft foam available in a variety of colors that won't scratch or snag your models And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your
0: KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K,
2: X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR MultiCase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com.
1: KR Multicase. Soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want
0: to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from gamemat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs.
2: Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a game mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table,
0: head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve.
1: And we're back, and that means it's time for the second part of our show, which is our main topic, and this time we are talking about the launch of 9th edition and how the things that have come out uh this week have panned out and what we think of them. Uh so we're gonna start back up by rewinding two weeks to the Halcyon days of july eleventh. And july eleventh, uh that was when the Indominus box and rule books and chapter approved and the open war decks and such became available for pre order. And Indomitus to say it went quickly is an understatement. Yeah. And now, Kevin, you were you were one of the lucky few who was able to get in and get one.
0: Yeah, I so Phoenix has been hit very hard with the coronavirus pandemic and a lot of the game stores have put in very strict uh, uh, limits on the amount of people that can be in there at once and things like that. So when we got the when the game stores found out they were going to be limited to just 45 copies of Indominus per store. They kind of had to scuttle their pre order plans, which was to have people, you know, contact them for pre orders and things like that. Well, and they're like, well, shoot, now we have to do something that is more fair to everybody. So what they decided to do was, okay, on, you know, Saturday, come to the store, line up, you know, and we'll take pre orders until we run out of pre orders. And I didn't want to. Just I didn't want to deal with that because there's so much going on with the you know pandemic and the number of cases here in Phoenix. And I didn't want to stand in a line with the people to do that. So it's like, fine, I'll just I'll take my chances on the website. If I can get in and get one, that's great. If not, no big deal. I was able to get in. I was not able to get in fast enough to get commemorative coins that they were giving away when you bought it. But uh, I was able to get my copy of Indominus Ordered and the uh, chapter approved books. The downside is I don't have them yet. I will get them sometime next week, which is kind of frustrating that like with a two week lead time, you couldn't ship those and make, make sure that they got to people who ordered them from you directly, you know, on launch day. That's a minor gripe. It's not a big deal, but it's kind of annoying. Right. That said on Saturday, when I realized that I wasn't going to get it, I just started scouring Facebook and seeing, if game stores potentially had extra copies. And there's a game store, uh, Queens Creek, that had like 30 copies. And I'm like, oh, well, shoot. So I decided to drive down there, which is like 20 minutes from my house. And uh, they had copies of Indominus available, so I picked up a second copy. Uh, So I'm working on converting up uh, Death Watch bikers and uh, Assault Intercessors right now.
2: And you're going to work on a whole new Necron army, right?
0: And I'm going to work on probably a whole new Necron army. So
1: <laughs> because you, well, you are at least already had Necron, so it's not like you're absorbing a completely new faction to you.
0: I mean, it kind of is because I was talking with uh, I was talking with our friends on the uh, on our regular game night, and uh, the Necrons that I have are not well painted. Um.
1: <laughs> N- no, uh, in fact, um, I'm just going to put this out there. Some of those Necrons show up on the 1D4chan article for Thin Your Paints.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. So I, I have a feeling that like a lot of the Necron warriors that I was planning on like bathing in simple green and like stripping, I have a feeling a lot of those are going to become terrain features. <laughs> um, because I basically now have what, uh, 20, is it 20 per box that they came or is it just 10?
1: Uh, it's twenty.
0: So I have forty in the
1: Indominus box. Yeah,
0: yeah, I have forty Necron warriors coming. So, and honestly, I like the new plastic ones a lot. So I'm probably just going to do that, and the old ones will become, you know, diorama pieces or terrain or you know, melted balls of plastic. I don't know yet. <laughs>
1: so one of the reasons uh, that Indominus sold out so quickly is that. Uh, well, GW un- for one thing underestimated the demand, um, yeah. they- and they had already said they had ma- they manufactured more of this box set than any other box set they've ever released, and they still sold out. Like every area sold out within, I think, less than fifteen minutes on their web yeah. store. Like as soon, like as soon as New Zealand and Australia hit- opened up like 15 minutes later gone. UK opens up 15 minutes later gone. US opens up 15 minutes later gone. And that that doesn't that does not include store pre-orders obviously but again stores were limited to 45 and stores found that out after they'd started taking pre-orders.
0: Yes. Which,
1: it was it was a
0: mess. Yeah. A mess is, yeah. Saying it's a mess is kind of putting, um, putting it lightly. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I get this is a different strategy that the GW's tried, and I kind of hope they don't try it again because this wasn't. You know, as they said, this isn't a starter box. This is a new edition box. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a limited run thing, and honestly, that's really dumb. <laughs> that's kind of just a dumb tactic to take. I think. Now,
1: the other thing that they did not take into account. I think they thought they took it into account, but they did not succeed in taking it to account. Is they didn't want people buying up a whole lot of them and, tr- and trying to resell them. So they put limits on how many you could have in your cart on their web store. However, as anyone who has been trying to buy a Nintendo Switch over the last four to five months has learned, bots are terrible, terrible things when, it, when applied to mass purchases. Because they can just spawn, they'll just spawn multiple accounts and buy one per account. And so within minutes of Indominus starting to sell out on their web store, eBay auctions of Indominus boxes started popping up because scalpers figured they could just buy a whole bunch of them knowing that's a limited edition box and sell the contents for five times the price, if not more. And so for about the, for the weekend, for the, the 11th and 12th, people were steaming over this because there was just like auction after auction after auction after auction popping up on eBay. Sometimes just like the, here's the space marine half and here's the necron half and here's the core book or maybe the entire box. And again, ridiculous markups on all of them. And so for two days, people stewed and were very angry that GW had, had apparently not put out enough of this product and that yet at the same time scalpers were trying to figure out how to benefit from from this and basically rip everybody off. And on Monday, I think it was Monday, the following Monday, GW responded and said, "You know, this sold out the, the demand far far exceeded our expectations. So, what we're going to do because like our stated goal when we announced Indominus was that everyone who wanted one, would be able to get one. Obviously, that is not the case. So, for the next several months, we are going to make Indominus available as made-to-order. You go on the web store, you order it, and we, when we're ready to ship it to you, we'll charge you and send it to you. And uh, then suddenly, there was a cry as if, hundreds of scalpers suddenly realized all the money they'd spent was going down the drain because now everybody who wanted one could get one from the parent company at retail price and it was a glorious thing
0: yeah the only downside i have i have to that is that it still kind of screws the individual game stores yeah the stores because, are still hurt yeah like and and especially you know, not to continue to go back to the pandemic all the time for every topic, but game stores are hurting right now. Like, they're not able to sell as much. They're not having as many people in their, you know, in their in their store, and they're small businesses. Like, the pandemic is hurting them. Like, this would have been a great opportunity for GW to make it so that, you, you know, people go visit their local, their friendly local game store and pick this up. And I don't know. Like, I, I applaud that they are selling this that they're making more and they're trying to, you know, screw over scalpers cuz they should. But it just sucks that like game stores have kind of been hurt in this process. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's definitely some coll- you know, collateral damage unintentional on GW's part and I and I, I get why GW was limiting it to the stores. They should have announced it like at yes. first. Like they they should yes. have opened with that. Because then that would have driven a lot, like people would have gone to stores maybe a bit further out of, out of their normal area to try to get a copy without having to go through the web store. But, you know, that isn't, is not how it ended up panning out. So, a, a messy launch, although again, props to GW for doing what they can to make it right. So, and, and for, for sticking it to scalpers who are just trying to profit off of,
0: Scarcity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Profit off of scarcity and, and, you know, fears of FOMO. So, so Indominus, but I mean, the box is out. We've already talked about the contents of the box. The box is, is, is fine. It's good if you play awesome. those two armies. <laughs> so, that was, that was the, the first part of the launch. So, a bumpy start, definitely, but one that's slowly getting ironed out over time. Then they announced the there there was the app. Now we had been told earlier that the app would be available the day of pre-order started. This was not the case. The app got delayed. And eventually the the app would be announced, it was going to be it was going to launch on launch day. And that kind of came true, not exactly.
0: They launched an app on launch day.
1: They well they actually launched yeah, they actually launched the app the day before launch day. So I'm going to peel back the curtain here a little bit again. Uh, I received an email from Games Workshop saying, hey, we're going to uh, we're going to open up early access to the app for, you know, for our content providers like a day or two ahead of launch. So you can kind of get a get a chance to look at it. Just don't tell anybody about about the contents of the app until this certain time, which, you know, again, standard NDA stuff. And so I was like, and they said, if you're interested, email us, let us know what platform you're on, and we will will get back to you shortly with, like, a download link and you would be able to set up your account. And then, so I did that, and then the two or three emails came back throughout the day saying, well, there's been some, we, we've had some nerglings in the system, uh, that it's, it's delayed, but we are going to try to get out to you, we are going to try to get out to you. And then Friday, the next day, they went ahead and released they, they made the announcement of the app itself being available, and they're like, we're sorry we we tried getting it out to you in time but but it just it just didn't pan out so then the app website opened up where you could click to download download the app and then subscribe if you wanted like to get the full codexes and everything Well, uh this is a couple of days later, and I cannot tell you how the app is because the iOS version still has yet to come out. Um, and I do not have an Android phone.
0: Well, you should join the master race because Androids are awesome. But yeah, uh, that's a problem. Like, I get it. iOS store is notoriously difficult about app approval. Those are those are things that are outside of GW's control. However, they announced this app a couple of months ago. They've been working on it for a long time. Yeah, I will cut them some slack because it's not completely in their controlled for app store approval but come on you've had plenty of time shouldn't this should be out by now like you should you should have it on apples on the apple store by like that's i'm not going to blame you but like it's a problem like as a major company you you should be able to throw your weight around and get this done
1: okay so i'm going to throw this out there though They should have, but as somebody who's actually worked at a company that has had an app specifically for iOS devices Mm -hmm. and knowing what, like, the turnaround time is, like you said, on on the Apple Store approval. Because, you're right. Apple is is pretty notorious about having a very strict set of guidelines. Like, you cannot just push an update up to the store and have it immediately reflected. It's got to go – like, everything has to go through a process because they very – Despite how some of the apps on the, in the store look, they do have a pretty thorough like approval process to make sure that people aren't putting up things that just straight up like either yeah. access things that they're not supposed to because Apple has a very strict policy against jailbreaking phones and things like that or, you know, cause actual harm to the phone, things like that. So, my guess is there's probably a last minute patch that went out for the iOS version, but last minute means going out on a Friday or a Thursday, and maybe the iOS version will come out Monday or Tuesday when somebody's actually got a chance to review it. Yeah. So, like,
0: honestly, yeah. Honestly, like, the delay for the iOS app is at least probably it's it, it sucks. The but it's, the- yeah, it's the least problematic. Yeah, it's least problematic element of this. The um looking at the Android app, it probably should delay the Android app too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so... It's not good. It's I'm, not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, one of the first signs that the that is not the app that it really needs to be is the rules. Okay, like, the basic rules available in handheld format on your phone. Okay, great. You click the rules button. It takes you to a Google Drive.
0: Yeah, a Google Drive PDF that's not searchable, that's not designed for mobile. It's... Yeah, it's the core it's, rules that you download off the off the. Uh, yeah, like a rules app not having the rules available in the app is a problem. Yes. Uh, uh, so Goonhammer did a really good thorough review of the app, so I recommend anybody go and look at it because they subscribe to it and like went through all of the the different elements. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of the the app has a lot of problems. But there's a lot of issues with it right now.
1: Yeah. Like, right now, like, everything, everything is alphabetical ordered with no way to really sort anything. Now, I will say there's a few things the app does decently well. Um, Like, when they're displaying things, the display is pretty good. Like, displaying stratagems, displaying relics, displaying... uh, like the the unit data sheets look pretty good like they're they're very clean readable formats but again the order on abilities and things like that is very strange there's a number of typos throughout like there's like an eldar uh shuriken cannons one of them had like a strength of 65
2: i think that's great right
0: (laughs) i mean (laughs) seems like overkill
1: it, you know, it's like one of these, like, it's a minor typo, but it's, come on, this is like one of your flagship games and the app that you've been pitching for your flagship game. It's like, not great.
0: Like, I, again, I kind of want to cut them some slack because GW is not an app developer. Like, this is the first 40k app they've developed. So I am willing to cut them a little bit of slack, but on the flip side... They've had plenty of time to work on this. They have been working on it for a very long time. And they have workable apps for other things. They have a really great Age of Sigmar app. They have a really great White Dwarf app. Like, it's not like they're completely new to this. They, I am sure that they knew that they were going to get this feedback because they knew that this wasn't wasn't going to be ready. And like, you know, this is taking aside the fact that the list building stuff, you know, we already knew that wasn't going to be available from the get-go. Right. So there's a lot of promise in the app. I would not, I can't in good conscience recommend anybody subscribe to it right now because there's just not enough. And it's not, it's not useful enough right now.
1: Right. It, uh, it, no, it's, it's really not useful at all at, at its yeah. current state. Um, also like searching doesn't work. Pro- like if you don't wait for, like if you start searching apparently on Android phones, it can crash the app. Uh, yeah. There's. And, and, and OK, so as far as app development, I'm going to also put this out there. I can I can all but guarantee you GW does not have an in-house app development department. Right. This is this is stuff they contract out to companies They basically say this is the app. This is what we need. They came up like there was a list of requirements that were required for like this app has to be able to do this, this, this and this at launch. And that's that's as per the contract. And whoever was developing the app has not hit those deadlines. But at the same time, GW is in the spot where we we promised this app and you promised us this app. So we have to have something deliverable. We've already delayed it from like two weeks from when we said it would be ready. So we just bought you two weeks to get those troubles ironed out. So fix the app. (laughs) Right, and that it's, is probably why they were able to get to the Google Play Store because the Google Play Store has far less stringent requirements as far as the approval process.
0: Absolutely, I mean, you're you've obviously worked in IT, you've worked on app stuff, so you know what like MVP, minimal minimum viable product is. Right. I wouldn't say this is MVP because I think this is less than even the minimum required, but this screams of. We have to get something out, so let's get something out, and we can update it later. Right. And so, uh, unfortunately, that means that the success or failure of this app is going to depend on how committed they are to updating it going forward. And I don't know. Like, there, there are features that they promised in the app that are just not in the app. Like, supposedly, you could scan in your rulebook and your codex and unlock those things without a subscription. There's flat no option for that. Yep. So, I, I don't know. Like, it's... I, there are things about it that are good. The layout is nice. The way things pop up is nice. But, like, right now it's not usable. Because specifically on, like, the Psychic Awakening books, since the Psychic Awakening books have, you know, stratagems for three or four different factions, they're all listed alphabetically. They're not listed by faction alphabetically. They're just straight alphabetically. So if you're looking for one specific rule... It is way, it takes way longer in the app to find it than it would be to literally just look out. And if it fails on that bare minimum requirement of what you need out of an app, I don't know. It's, it's a rough start.
1: By the way, did you, did you know that your
0: favorite uh, Primark is Afla, Aflararius? Yes, yeah, saw that as well. Aflar- well, I mean, that's a weird way to spell Angron, but yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yes, yeah, the Alpharius was, was completely butchered, like, not just like one or two letters transposed, a lot, or it was bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I have to agree with the Goonhammer take on it, that this has powerful slamming in the data entry three hours after I was meant to go home energy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: This project either was started with, a- Now it's very possible that GW started, had them start this project without the proper amount of lead time. Absolutely true. Yeah, that we that we don't know. Like, I, so it's like I don't want to necessarily pin all the blame on the app developers. We don't it's know true. what the timeline is because, as somebody who has developed websites for for customers before, I can guarantee you that there are plenty of customers out there that have very unrealistic ideas about how long it takes to get. A, a website or an app out the door. Now that said GW has had experience with that because obviously we have the Azure app and, you know, the age yep. of Sigmar app and that app works very well. At least in my opinion, it, it, it does yeah, everything yeah. It, need, it you need it to really. And so it's possible. And that was also kind of built off a, of, on top of like the war scroll builder that uh, someone had developed like third party, as a support tool for building Age of Sigmar armies before Age of Sigmar had a point system and GW brought that in house like they basically paid the guy to like here build put it on we're going to put it on our website and you help support it like to do that and i imagine some of that got ported that logic got ported into the app because it basically does the same thing so they may have had an experience from working with one or two app developers and say, okay, they were able to develop this in this time frame without maybe taking into account that they already had, like, a lot of the basic work done. Right. Whereas in this case, this is something wholly new for um, for 40K. And so there may have been – a. and even though acknowledging that they're not launching with the Army Builder, like, I mean, that's GW basically taking pressure off of the company and you yep. know, the, the development company and saying, okay – We'll, we'll do that later. Get us the, the lookup. That should be relatively easy to do. Yeah. At that point, and, that's on the, the development company for falling down on that piece. Like, Right. You, you no, know, I, I where agree. did they start? Like, How many people did they have working on it? We don't know.
0: Yeah. No, it's... Again, this is kind of like the other stuff. Like, It's not 100% GW's fault. It's not 100% on the app developer. It is... Especially considering that, like, what my job is and stuff like that, and managing projects, it's it's a failure of being able to scope out and man, and effectively manage the project. And like I don't know, it's I have I have hope they can get it better. Like I said, the Age of Sigmar app is really great. The data that's in here, you know, like aside from again having that powerful like you know last minute data entry vibe, the layout looks good. The pictures are neat. I like a lot of what they have, and if they can add in simple functionality like being able to sort by faction, being able to search without the app crashing, being able to actually code in the core rules into the app, then the app will be fine. Like, then the app will work and do what it needs to do. So I I think they can get there. It's just – it's a rough launch for the app, and I hope that it doesn't turn off people – from using it, if it is going to be, you know, if they are going to continue to improve it and make it better going forward,
1: yeah. And there, I mean, this this is not a lost cause. Don't think like this app will yeah. always yeah. be garbage. You know, this they there's a chance to to redeem this, but this has like early this has like early alpha development yeah. L- stink all over it. Like this this absolutely was not ready for prime time, and yeah. I hope. They didn't. St- I mean, this is something that should like I would have started something like this at least, at least six months ago. Yeah. Um. And actually, like because- this. This is something that like if they had, and it's very possible that the development cycle of this, as everything else that we've talked about on this show, has been <laughs> has been uh, impacted and interrupted by COVID. That absolutely. is absolutely possible. Uh, there's a lot of, like, you know, AAA uh, game development that has been pushed off. And, absolutely. in fact, our morale phase, I'm going to be talking about one of those games. But, like, there's a lot of companies that have had to, like, say, you know, our development on this is being pushed off because we just, you know, the disruption of having to... Retool everybody to be able to to work from home and have access to all the tools and all the repositories and everything they need to do our software development. We had to set up the infrastructure, and that takes time. And the process, and we also just can't meet as freely. So, yeah, it slows down.
0: The, the, the frustration with that, though, is that like the elements of the app that are in the app right now, nothing is specific to Ninth Edition about this. Right. That's my frustration. It's like you could have been working on this app two years ago because the the layout and all of the the details that are in it are just the existing data scrolls. Like, and it's just the layout and the search that could have been done at any point. You didn't have to wait for launch to be able to start working on that. And I get it. You want to launch it with the new edition. You want to be able to put the new core rules in there and stuff like that. But again, the core rules aren't in the app. They're just linked in the app. So like everything that's in the app with like the data sheets and the 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 factions that could have been done at any point. That's what's kind of frustrating.
1: Yeah, I, I actually I think I'm with you because if, if if one of their arguments for like psychic awakening and everything else still being legal is well, we developed this from the ground up to be uh, compatible with Ninth Edition, then that means Ninth Edition was not like a last minute decision.
0: Absolutely, like they, they've played. I guarantee somebody somewhere has a whiteboard, not not as a joke like that you see on like the stream when. Uh, the Pete. Uh, Pete, yeah. When Pete's on there, like I guarantee somebody seriously has on a whiteboard somewhere at GW the things that they want to include in tenth edition because they they have to think this. These development cycles are year long processes. So I guarantee, to some degree, somebody is sitting around thinking about what's going on in the next edition. All right. So this didn't come out of nowhere. They had plenty of lead time on this. I I don't want to put it all in GW. I don't want to put it on the app development, but somebody needed to do better
1: yeah it's a multi-point failure now it's now i will throw this out there maybe take take best coast pairings for example the android app and the ios app are not made equal (laughs) yeah the ios app is would you agree with me the ios app is much better
0: absolutely the ios app actually works
1: (laughs) (laughs) so and that may just be the expertise of the developers they have working you know like like we're primarily iOS developers and we can do like, we can get the basic functionality in Android. Also Android has a lot, a lot more platforms technically to support because it's not a unified structure the way, you know, it's not a monolithic structure the way that uh, Apple's environment is. Exactly. So it is possible that let's say next week, the iOS app hits the store and it's gorgeous. And other than like, okay, the, maybe the, the data typos might still be in there, but if the search functionality works and it's got sorting and filtering and all that stuff that this app doesn't, you know, it may be like, oh, this was actually designed for Apple from the ground up, which would make sense because that's kind of like where they started doing a lot of their digital deployment of like codexes and stuff was working with Apple in the absolutely. You know, the yeah. Apple store. So, so it is absolutely possible that the iOS version of this will be gorgeous. And, and fix all these issues and that the Android app will be uh, the redheaded stepchild that just happened to be released first.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That is, that is completely fair. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. Like it's, I don't know. It's not a strong launch for sure, but I have, I have faith that they're going to, that they're committed to the app and that it's going to get better as it goes. Along. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A little update here. Since uh, we recorded last Sunday, the iOS app has come out and it is about as good at launch as the Android app, which is disappointing, but same data set. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's pretty much functionally identical. The search feature is about as good. The uh, unit data is about as good. However, to be fair, A few days ago on the Warhammer community website, they released an article saying that they had listened to a lot of the immediate feedback. They wanted to make sure the app is up to snuff. So they actually posted a roadmap of when certain changes would be coming uh, with the first one being fixing the data issues. So weird wonky unit entries like that Strength 65 Shrieker cannon. Uh, have been resolved and I can verify that and the Indominus units have been added that I can also verify the app still has its problems but at least at least uh, Games Workshop has put forward a plan on this is when it, things are going to get fixed and at these dates which does speak to an application that was rushed out the door to be ready for the ninth edition launch if they have a a set of dates like this ready for these particular features and updates to be released. So it's like they knew this was in a beta state, like an early beta state going out the door, which is disappointing, but at least they're dedicated to improving the experience over time. Whether they should have released it in this state or not is still something we can debate. I know my feelings on it, but I also know they had kind of painted themselves into a corner by promising it at a certain date and they had already been late on the date that they didn't they'd announced it by about two weeks so this application i don't think it was a, quite ready for prime time but at least they are they've dedicated themselves to getting the app to where they want it to be which is nice uh and they're also giving everybody who has subscribed a free month of subscription which is also nice so uh they're you know they're making sure that uh that you are going to theoretically get what you pay for, especially because they are hoping to have most of the updates done within a month. And while they have not yet included a date for when army building will be in place, at least it is on the roadmap, but we will have power levels on all data sheets on August 10th and August 17th, uh, better search capabilities. And searchable FAQs are coming next week, August 3rd. Uh, The free version of the app has been updated. Searchable core rules in-app rather than just a uh, Google Doc. Which, to be fair, the iOS version is actually pointed at Warhammer Community for their core rules document rather than just a Google Drive somewhere. So it's an improvement, but the app is still not where it needs to be. But they're going to try to get it fixed. And October is when they have the uh, codex unlocking capability planned to go live along with the new space marine and necron codexes <laughs> so so not again not a great start <laughs> for this yeah so there there's technically two other products one of them i'm just going to talk about very quickly and that is the open war deck that this product is pretty much the same as the open war decks from the last edition and from age yeah. of sigmar uh you know it's got the same uh Objective cards, deployment maps, twists, ruses, sudden deaths, they work exactly the same way. There's a little fold-out card that gives the rules for making an open war game. Yeah. And I do like the fact that they specify now if players used power ratings or points to uh, muster their army. So they are taking account Like, you can play these with points, as we've done in the past, and it's a lot of fun. I, I, I really enjoy these decks... The deployment maps are and again, like all the deployment maps are now everything's measured from the center of the board because the board sizes are minimums now rather than strict requirements mm-hmm. and they'll also work for whatever table size and game size you're playing. So that's great. Uh, so I if you've never had an open war deck and just wanted to play around with something, but like I want to do throw together a quick mission that's a bit different than what's in the books. Open War deck is a great way to do it. It's a lot of fun.
0: Uh, I, re- I recommend giving it a try. Yeah, I think this is going to pair really well with like the Crusade stuff too. Just oh yeah, pick up the Open War deck, throw together a mission, throw together a Crusade army. Like I think that's I think that's super cool. I really like that deck. So yes, awesome.
1: And then the final product that is not the core rulebook, which we talked about last episode. Um, oh, and there were two uh, update two things that we missed on our our point by point update, which is disappointing to me but I, it was based on the fight phase and I just kind of my brain glosses over that one thing is we said well you just you alternate picking people picking units to fight as normal well yes and no unlike past and like the last edition your opponent gets to pick a unit first so like you do right. all your chargers first and then starting with your like if it's on your turn all your chargers and then starting with your opponent start selecting other units to fight with And that changes the dynamic quite a bit. Because for one thing, it makes always-go-first units actually viable.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it makes them actually feel like they're doing something.
1: Because it's like, you always... It's like, opponent always chooses first, and if they have anything that counts as a charger or fights with a charger, they would get to select that first. So, like... Now charging a Slanesh army is riskier because they will get to fight you first, even though you charge them.
2: Nobody which, charges Slanesh armies
1: anyway. Well, no, they shoot them off the table. But yes, if they exactly. did, if they did, it would actually make a difference. So I like that change. I think that 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 small tweak kind of makes that those some of those mechanics work the way they should. Yeah. And then the other one was. Um, Something else I missed is that you can now like if you have a unit that charged and somebody heroically intervened into your unit, you can now put attacks against them, even though you didn't charge them. Hero- so, so there's no more the character steps up and everyone is too surprised
0: to hit him. I think that's I think it's better because defining the heroic intervention step in the fight phase, like eliminate some of the gray area. Because I know we've had questions at our events in the past about how exactly that works. But it also just makes them like it. It it allows you to like, hey, I can step in and do this a lot easier. But there's a potential downside. Uh, nobody's completely immune, uh, which will make the games potentially go faster, and speed up play, and things like that, which are hallmarks for what we've seen so far in the the changes for ninth edition. So I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: think I think that along with some of the other things like the changes to the lookout sir and such uh, have I think will hopefully tone down hero hammer a little bit. So, uh, but anyway, I want to get to the final product, which is Chapter Approved. Now, dropping a Chapter Approved for 40 k in the middle of summer is a, would normally be a bit of a surprise, but given new edition and they had already announced that point totals were going to be changing across the board, it made sense to get this out ASAP. Now, what I'm actually going to be talking about is not so much the Munitorum... Uh, field manual, which is where all the points are located. Uh, we'll do a, a, a closer look at some of the points uh, in another episode. Uh, fortunately, there's there's plenty of people who have done the analysis on how much certain things have gone up or down, and Plus, how that is
0: shipping. Not all of us have it yet.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so I'll just have to talk. Well, that's a perfect reason not to talk about it right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so if people co- if people are upset, they can blame me.
1: Yeah, okay, fair enough. We, we, I think that's just a good strategy for every situation.
0: I, no, I think we should blame Richard in most cases, since he's not here to defend himself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but, no, I want to talk more about the Grand Tournament Packet, the Mission Pack, uh, half of Chapter Approved, which is actually in a, it's, for one thing, unlike the uh, the Munitorum Guide, which the points book is perfect bound, uh, the Chapter Approved uh, Mission Packet is spiral bound. And that's great for a number of reasons. First off, it's, you know, it's got a uh, little strappy for holding it shut, which is nice. Um, You know, like, it's it's a well-constructed product. But also, since this is going to basically be the mission packet that tournaments, like, major tournaments are going to be using. Or, you know, even, like, regional, local, your local store tournaments will be using this. It's got all the missions in it and more missions for the point levels that are covered here than in the core book. So, because Okay, so Grand Tournament Packets, the Grand Tournament Packet only covers games at 1,000 and 2,000 points, or technically anything in between. But for those two levels, there are nine missions each instead of six and six. Three of them are reprints from the core book. Six of them are new. Um, so for example, Strike Force missions cuz that's the 2000 point mission which is what most people are are wanting to uh, play. Let's see. Retrieval mission, Scorched Earth, and let's see, Vital Intelligence were reprinted. And those are missions 11, 12, and 13 on a D33. However, the next 6 Surround and destroy, battle lines, the scouring, overrun, sweep and clear, and priority target are new to this packet. Which also means that if you have an event, say like Las Vegas Open, where in a normal year there would be so many players, they have to do nine rounds to get a you know to get a final winner, you never have to replay a mission. Like every yeah. game is going to be unique, which is great. Also, uh, they do. Uh, specify, uh, similar into the match play rules where they had the rule of three built in, this has the rule three built in, but also uh, if you're playing a thousand points, it's a rule of two. Uh, the same data sheet, other than troops and dedicated transports, can only appear twice in a thousand point game. So, toning those those down uh, and preventing spam at, at those smaller levels.
0: I like that a lot because that that's where you could wind up with some there's definitely the ability to wind up with some really courageous things. Like if you take three Plague crawlers at like a thousand points, that's kind of obnoxious. So toning that down is good.
1: Also, another change on the missions that point, you know, like you can't have any under strength units, which they had in the, uh, the core book. They also specify no specialist attachments. So what we saw in the two Vigilist books is apparently a one-off and will never come back.
0: Yeah, I'm a bit torn on that, because they're still available for your casual games, your Crusade missions, things like that, which I feel is probably the way they designed them where they should kind of wind up being, but it it does feel a bit like a bait and switch where, because, let's be honest, the majority of the people, at least the majority of the people listening, play in tournaments, so they're probably going to be using the Grand Tournament missions and these rules. I can understand why it feels like it might be a bait and switch to say that, Hey, pick up all of Dean's psychic awakening books for these specialist detachments or vigil. Well, no, no, or that Well, vigilance is Vigilist, like yeah. a
1: couple of years old at this point. Yeah. yeah. Psychic away. I mean, they have, they have not used a specialist detachment rule I guess since that's true. then. Yeah, I guess that's true. And not every faction got one, which I think is another reason to not encourage it. It's like, you kind of get the impression it was an experiment and it was out there. GW really you know, looked at. It, it's like hey, this is not serving the purpose that we wanted. Yeah. So they decided to not not to continue with it.
0: And I guess the fact that like with those specialist attachments, I don't think every faction had them.
1: No, they did not. Because so, if you weren't on vigils like Tau yeah. Necron, did not get them, for example.
0: So just going through and being like, no, we're 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 gonna we're gonna com- completely excise this from competitive play, but you can still use them in your narrative games. I'm I'm fine with that.
1: Okay. Otherwise, the the rules are basically the same. However, they have also tweaked the secondary objectives a bit. Okay, now, when it gets to secondary objectives, uh, they're arranged a little bit differently than the core book. Uh, The individual sections are now alphabetized, but not within the section, if that makes sense. But at the same time, they've cleaned up and removed or switched around some of them. So, for example, uh, Battlefield Supremacy is pretty much the same that's the one where it's like line breaker or domination or engage on all fronts however we get to no mercy no respite attrition is gone which is the uh, you know score for victory points if you destroyed more enemy units than they destroyed of yours that one's gone first strike is gone however attrition's been replaced with grind them down which is now only three victory points if more enemy units were destroyed than friendly ones. So it's kind of the same thing, but one point less per round. So you can max it out, but you have to max it out. You have to max it every. You have to get every turn to max it out. So like they've retooled, they've renamed them so there's no confusion over the book versus the core book versus the mission pack version, but uh, made it so you can't max it out early on. They also got rid of First Strike, which is one that you could not max out. Uh, Purge the Enemy, uh, they have... uh, They've changed a couple of them, like uh, Titan Hunter, which was... um, You got 10 points if you killed one Titanic model, or 15 if you destroyed two or more. It is now 10 for one, 12 for two, 15 for three. So they've kind of like... You know, delineated it out more. So to make it more... uh, like, more maxable, more tournament-friendly. Uh, Slay the Warlord is gone, because, again, that was one you could not max out. But instead of Slay the Warlord, they have cut off the head, which was, at the end of the battle, you score a number of victory points if the enemy warlord was destroyed during the battle. The number of victory points scored depends on the battle round in which the enemy warlord was destroyed, as shown in the table below. Basically, if you can, kill, if you can alpha strike their warlord off the board, it's 13 points. If you don't get them until turn five, it's one. And then they still have assassinate. So if somebody brings five characters, you can max out assassinate. They added a new one called deploy scramblers to the shadow operations, which uh, 10 victory points at the end of the battle. If you successfully completed a following action three times during the battle, once in your deployment zone, once in your opponent's deployment zone, and once more than six inches from either player's deployment zone. And basically one infantry unit spends can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase if it's wholly within your deployment zone. So basically, they have to move deployment zone, no man's land, deplo- enemy's deployment zone. And they have to like take that action. That, that one unit has to be able to do it, or no, just if you successfully complete it three times. So basically, just take one of your infantry units out of the battle for a turn.
0: So it does sound like there's still a nice mixture of in-game and end-game scoring so i I do like that
1: and then they added a new psychic one also where uh you need to have a character within six inches of your opponent's battlefield edge more than six inches from any enemy models and you get points if you did it two or more times or four or more times you get like eight points if you did it twice for 15 points if you did it four times so I, again, you know, they've got these. You know, they've kind of like retooled these to be a little bit more tournament friendly and get rid of the ones that are just like you obviously can't even
0: get close to maxing this out. So trying well, that to put- kind of makes that kind of makes sense because they, I think uh, Reese on Frontline specifically was talking about with Book Mission Designs that yeah somewhere somewhere intentionally you're not going to be able to to max out because you know it's super easy but that's the trade off. The easy, like, kill your warlord only gets you half as many points. Um, and that's fine for, like, general games. But when you get into a competitive game, you want everybody to be able to kind of max out all of those objectives and them to all be hopefully equally as difficult to, to acquire. So, yeah, I, I think those those sound like they're good changes so far.
1: Yeah. Uh, then they've got a page that shows you, like, this is what battle-ready models look like for that ten po- the 10 points for painting.
2: I did had pictures of those so you can actually take a look at that. Take a look at your models. Do models line up? Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not the best painter, but I think mine meet the battle ready picture. So I'm like, okay, cool.
1: Yeah. And it's like the the, what they've got for each one is like it's painted. It's washed. It's not got a lot of highlights necessarily. um, And like the they've just got texture paint on the base. Like nothing. There's nothing fancy about these models. Like, the, the contrast ones have, you know, a little bit more depth to them just because of the nature of the contrast paint. But, like, all of these should be very easy for somebody to accomplish. Like, none of them are, look, they're, you know, these are not heavy metal
2: quality models. So, and, I, like, on the page they even say that, hey, we've been planning to do this for a while. That's why we made contrast paints so you'd have an easy, quick way to paint your army so it'd be battle ready. Right
0: is that in the core book like that that little section like in the main rule book? I don't believe just so. A, I think it's just in the mission
2: helped. packet. Yeah. Honestly, I that's something no.
0: That's something that should have been in the core book too. Like cuz I think that's really cool.
1: Like they have a uh, a couple of pages on building and painting where they talk about like classic and contrast, but nothing like this where they actually like show
0: examples. That's that's really awesome because I do think especially for like new players coming in it can be very intimidating at times to, like, only see the really good painters or, like, the heavy metal stuff. So having, like, examples of, like, no, this is how, like, this is what battle-ready means. This is what it takes to get that 10 points. That's, that's something that's useful for people entering the hobby, whether they're playing competitively or just in their basement.
1: Right. And then we get the actual missions, which the layout of these, especially with the spiral bound, is really nice. Like, this is something you really like, Dennis.
2: Oh, yeah. I I loved it because you flip to whatever mission you're doing. On the left is the name of the mission, the briefing, all the rules for it. And on the right is the deployment map. And because it's spiral bound, you can just lay it down on a table. It lays flat so you don't have any of the bowing and let me hold this page so I can look at it. You've got it there. Easy to use. I think my only complaint is the font is so small and there's a lot of white space. I'm like, can you raise the font a little bit because us people who are getting older kind of have... Like larger print things? <laughs> or maybe just uh, normal print things, I mean? <laughs> 40K,
0: is, 40K is a young man's game. You can't read the rule book, you can't play. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you
2: know, I guess this might be a way of saying that, as, as Rob Lewis said, this is the tournament packet you you could take with you to do the tournaments. Yeah. But do you remember back in the day, um, we always liked the starter boxes because they came with the slim, thin rule book. Uh-huh. This chapter approved is the exact same size of the slim rule book, and it's got all your rules and all your missions.
1: And and when we and when we say all the rules, we haven't even gotten to the fact that yes, this has all the rules. Well, almost all. It does not have army construction rules. Like it doesn't have the detachment
2: definition. Well, when you go to tournament, you've already got all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So this has
1: all the all the rules and. You know, let's see, other than the, the army construction. But yeah, other th- other than having army construction, because like you said, Dennis, it should be, that should be taken care of before you get to the event. This has, like, it has the entirety of the core rules. A- and then beyond just the core rules, it has the definition of actions. It has stratagems, including all the generic stratagems. It has the strategic reserves rules, the terrain features rules, the terrain traits, the common terrain features, which that's fantastic for a tournament. To be able to say, like, you can just say, okay, these are ruins. Well, now we have, boom, the rules for what is, what, what do ruins do. They're right here, and you can fold it out and just, like, sit it there flat. Um, it's got the objective marker rules, and even the rare rules that they had in the appendix, like the we, like weird rules interactions, and the rules glossary at the end. Nice. And it has the tournament scoring sheet, like a blank scoring sheet on the last page. So you have a, like, here's your guide on how to actually like write down the results of the battle to tell who won. That's awesome. I imagine they're going to have one of these available for download and print. And I'm sure sh- so. and I know Best Coast Pairings has already said they've got a website version up and that they're going to try to roll it into an app version soon. So I mean this is actually a fully functional tournament rule set in a very slim, easy to carry, very functional
2: format. Yeah, I think this is like one of the things we've been asking for for a while when we complained. I have to carry 12 books with. I'm exaggerating, but sometimes it felt like that. So, yeah. No,
0: actually, sometimes some it was like that, actually. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I am thrilled by this. This is really cool. I love it.
0: And as we get, like, we're
1: going to get. At, at, well, for one thing, as builds are leaning more towards encouraging mono build, like monofaction armies, that's fewer codexes mm-hmm. you have to bring with you as a lot of the psychic awakening rules ho- hopefully get rolled into codexes as new codexes are released. Some armies will not need those extra books. Uh, hopefully, like you know, Space Marine players will still need to have the appropriate codex supplement with them. And that's going to be true for Blood Angels, uh, Dark Angels, Space Wolves, and Death Watch moving forward. But still, if you could get if you could get the number of books you need to bring with you to it to an event down to two. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And if they get the app working, theoretically, you could get it down to one. Because if you can have all your codex rules in hand in a usable format, that would be great. So, you know, it, it depends on if they can get the app working. But even then, even without the app, like having, having a, a slim, concise rulebook with all your match play missions with lots of mission options, so it's like, let's say Midwest Conquest. We could just say, yeah, we're going to run uh, missions. Like we're going to start at mission twenty-one through thirty-two, and just like those are the five missions we're going to run. So you just start there and just start recording your scores for each round. Done. I don't, you know, we don't have to do anything really wacky. We don't have to. Pr- we don't have to print our own tournament packets. We just have to print scoring sheets. <laughs> nice no that that's fantastic this yeah. this makes running events it streams, streamlines it it makes it far more accessible and having this tiny rulebook I like I'm a bit disappointed that they didn't really push that the this packet would have these rules in it because like on their like, I'm gonna check the games workshop site but I don't think they really mentioned that because I it was a surprise to me.
0: Yeah, and I guess, like, nefariously, I guess part of the reason why you wouldn't push it is because you also want to sell the book, but... Right. But, like, it, it's awesome that this is there. Like, I, this is great. Yeah, so here's
1: here's the way they describe it. Inside this 96-page softbound book, you'll find two mission packs comprising nine missions each for incursion and strike-force-scale battles, each designed to offer a different challenge to the players, guidelines for setting up a battle... a battle or Guidelines for setting up and playing a match, play, or grand tournament level competitive game, including suggested battlefield size, time limit, and how best to determine secondary objectives, and much, much more. See, that it's... The much, much more is, like, really vague. Hey, But it's really all-inclusive. Now, I will say, on their page, they showed the table of contents, which does mention, like, the basic rules. Like, it is the right table of contents, but I, I really don't think... The, like they really didn't mention in any release for this that yeah this is going to have this is going to be a core rule book effectively
0: that's a pleasant surprise
1: it yeah. is a very pleasant surprise and as you said it's the kind of product we've been asking for for years and if they are reprinting this every year with possibly new missions cuz like that's one thing that Age of Sigmar does is they tweak their uh match play missions mm-hmm. every year Like, they could tweak the missions and the deployment maps in here. They could uh, refine secondaries. Like, if they find, like, you know, the way ITC used to, like, ITC sees, like, this: these secondaries aren't being taken, but these are. They can provide, you know, tournament organizers can collect that feedback and give it to GW, and GW can talk to them and say, like, so what do you think we should do? Or maybe they have a pool of secondary objectives they haven't even used yet
0: that they are going to suggest. That's the nice thing about this being standardized and streamlined is the support structure to get tournament results is already out there with BCP and the ITC, coll- you know, structure. So GW could potentially partner with, you know, uh, BCP and be like, okay, let's look at all of the mission results for the past year since Ninth edition's launched Okay, the the attacker wins 90% of the games in this mission. Okay, how do we tweak it so that it's more even? Like that, you know, Dean's secondaries get picked 70% of the time, and this Dean's secret- secondaries only get picked 10% of the time. Okay, how do we swap those out and rebalance them? Um, and it just makes the competitive scene a better place when we're all running kind of the same thing and we're able to kind of standardize. And make adjustments off of that consistent uh, platform.
1: Yeah. And also, like, let's say there's a core rule, because invariably there's going to be errata or FAQs, things like that, more of those rare rules interactions, things that come up regularly. They can reprint this next year with an updated rule book. Yeah. They, they can do that. Like, they haven't, they now have, I mean, they always could have, but now they've created this in a format that basically encourages it. Like, this is your 2020 tournament packet. This now next year, this is your 2021 tournament packet. Here's all the rules that we've updated for 2021. They could even add, like, have a page marking, like, this is what we've updated for this edition so that everyone can, like, look at it. It's like, okay, that's what's changed. So I don't have to refer back to my core rule book. This is the most up to date version of the rules. With this, we are now theoretically at a living, at a fully living rule set. Yeah. I mean that's where I'd like to see it go anyway.
0: No, that's 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 really awesome. Like I said, I, I yeah, I haven't I haven't physically seen the book yet, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, of the products at launch, I again taking like with, so you've got the Indomitus rollout which was messy. You've got the app rollout which a is not complete and b is way messier. Yeah. But then you've got... the I think we're all pretty much happy with the Indominus box itself. Mm-hmm. And, and the core rulebook... The core rulebook is beautiful. Like, it is it is probably the best put-together rulebook they've done in a long time.
2: I will Absolutely. agree, because it, it's just gorgeous. And the, the layouts of it have, have been set up really well. And they've got whole big, like, splash pages to the different groups and units. And they move the story... Well, they don't move it that much in here. But, I mean, they tell the story of where it's at up to this point. Well, mostly focused on Terra and Imperium, but they do mention all the other factions in here. So if you can get a slight feel of each one, but you can tell that the big focus is on Space Marines, Chaos and Necrons.
1: Right, which I mean, does not surprising. But yeah, it's 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 a very well-constructed book. So that, I mean, the core rules for Ninth edition, I think, are very solid and the book is beautiful. So very happy with that. Uh, the open war deck, like I said, no big changes, but I like the I liked the past open war deck, and this one seems to be no exception. I love, I, you know, I I really like the format, and then finally a product that just hits it out of the park. Uh, you know, the chapter approved book is wonderful. It is everything we've wanted out of this this product line. <laughs> so, you know, I definitely not batting a thousand, but ending the game with a big finish, I think is is pretty good.
2: Yeah. And then, as we said, a lot of the rules you can find core rules online. The chapter approved gets you the pretty much the rules as well, except for army construction. But I still would recommend the core rule book just because they put so much extra fluff and detail about things. And remember how we had all those box sets of well, here's Wars Armageddon, Warzone Vigilance, et cetera? Yeah. They're in pages in this book where they explain what happened during that war. Yeah. and it kind of this part reminded me of the old forge world narrative books that came out of the what the imperial armory books Mm -hmm. i mean it's not to that level of detail but just being able to see a war zone and the story about it so so much good stuff for rules and fluff wise
1: oh yeah there's just there's a lot to really dig into this and really enjoy so yes uh you you need to have chapter approved to have your updated point totals, but don't skimp on getting the core book if you are if you are at all interested in the Warhammer 40k universe. Or if you're interested in playing narrative play, because obviously that's not in the matched play booklet. <laughs> I, which I mean it makes sense. Like, uh but also the fact that, yeah, you know, like I said, Crusade is not being thought of as kind of like, well, we just threw this out there as kind of a, a bone to, to narrative players and kind of acknowledging that they exist. But the fact that it's going to be an ongoing thing in codexes tells me that they're invested in continuing to make it an interesting and fun way to play. I'm looking forward to trying it out. And knowing that they are going to continue to support it makes it more likely for me to want to try it out and, and see where they go with it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I had one other question, because we were, we we're talking about all of the launch products. Have either of you seen, because I personally haven't, the new uh, Manafort, Manifectorum Battlefield mats that they released? I because have they not yet. A, Okay. Because I I wanted to mention it, since it's kind of the other launch release product, was a $50 U.S. Uh, basically two kill team mats, um, double-sided, uh, that are basically the kill team size you put them together in a minimum table size for 40 K. I didn't know. I haven't had a chance to see him, so I couldn't really talk about it. I didn't know.
1: No, I I have not seen them in, in, I don't think anybody ordered them at our, at our store. So they don't have them in stock, but uh, yeah, it does look like, you know, it's just a, a pair of double-sided fold-out boards. One with like a kind of a gray ruined battlefield and one with like Martian Mm -hmm. dust ruins. Uh, that you can put together to make, uh, an incursion size board. And, uh, now for me, it's like, I have enough, I've picked up enough kill zones from, uh, from kill team that like, since every kill team kill zone board, it has sector imperialis on the flip side. Like I can make a 44, I could make a 44 by 60 or possibly even a 44 by 90 board out of those. So, uh, and I do like the fact that it is two kill team boards, effectively, so like you can you can get multiple use out of them if you also play kill team, which is great. But no, I I have not seen them in, in person. I might be headed up to the GW store today, so I might take a peek. But okay. you know also, admittedly, fifty bucks for folding cardboards a little pricey.
0: Yeah, that's that was kind of my concern, is that like I I looked at it and like knowing how many mats and how much stuff we have I'm like, eh, I don't know that I really need it, but it was at least included in the launch products and I wanted to at least mention it so that people were like, oh my god, you didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so yeah, it's a thing, you know, and again, it's one of those making the game accessible so that people have the to, you know, have the the materials they need to play is is good. Hopefully, this will be a kind of a long running product, uh, you know, kind of evergreen rather than just uh, a Mm -hmm. one-off. So, and of course all the map, all the, all the various mat makers are, are making now 44 by 60 mats. So it's, you know, if, if the, if you don't like the folding cardboard, there's other stuff that'll cover you, you know, some, somebody's got something you'll enjoy. Ah, so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion of, uh, all things ninth edition launch related, uh, So uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, I'm going to skip hobby progress this week because I know, Dennis, you haven't had any.
2: Yeah, I did. Since we skipped it last time. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, what have Um, you done?
1: Okay, I'm guessing I'm not skipping hobby progress.
2: Yeah. All all the models from um, Pariah. Well, not all all except for the Necron. Um, I did pick up when that came out and they're all put together and well, boxed away now. But yes, I, I put some new models together that I hope to be using in the future cool cool and Kevin you
1: have you started putting together indomitus already
0: I have I've been working on it uh, while while we're talking here I was putting out right, the outlander bikes together uh, and cutting off the sculpted shoulder pads so I can make all of mine uh, death watch which is actually easier than I thought um, there was uh, on the on the uh, stream for the launch uh, launch party they and I forget who it was I think it was Ben Bailey, I think, mm-hmm. uh, po- you know, talked about on his Twitter that like he had basically put like a quick like four step instruction on how to be able to cut the shoulder pads off and, you know, make him work with uh, with the other, you know, the sculpted shoulder pads and be able to replace them. So I looked at that and I was like, yeah, that seems pretty easy. So now all my stuff is, is going to be death Watch-y. So that's cool. Uh, the other thing that I did, and I, I actually am very proud of myself on this one. I finally finished painting the eighth edition star box yay <laughs> just in time <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i had so i painted I, I took a death my death guard army to lvo uh the first time we went and that was i think all but like 10 or so models out of the starter box that i had at that point and i had acquired a few other death watch model death guard models over the years um so i basically was like you know what i need to get all of these painted before before the new edition hits, um, and I found uh, from Fire, Firestorm Games a really cool like eight or nine step like Death Guard painting scheme. Um, so it was actually went really fast to be able to paint the rest of them up and get them get them looking. They're not completely based yet, but uh, you know they're they're painted and they look you know as good as the other uh, Death Guard that I had. So uh, I was personally very proud that I finally got the eighth edition starter set completed before I got the ninth edition starter set.
1: Well, that 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 is a perfect way to end Eighth Edition.
0: Well, and when I say completed, I haven't touched the space marine stuff, but uh, the <laughs> half of it's done. There
1: you go. <laughs> okay, so then I actually do have a little bit of hobby progress. I got uh, the two. I've got two Fabius Biles uh, assembled to paint. One for me, uh, one for our friend Crew up at uh, Pulp Fiction. And then I've been, you know, I've got most of the Indomitus box together, and unlo- un like you cutting off shoulder pads, I had uh, Pop Goes the Monkey blood angel uh, symbols. So I've been attaching those to shoulders and uh, bike bodies. So that that's how I'm making uh, my army blood angelly. y And then I actually got uh, some green stuff down on, like I have a knight that I've had in the midst of rehabilitation like i stripped it like a year or two ago and i've got it primed i've got a little bit of it base painted but i it's honest it's like halfway assembled and so i was just uh this week i put down the green stuff and used my one of my uh, green stuff world rollers to do the temple base on it so it'll match my other knights that i used to run with my sisters so i can have at least a consistent knight household even if it's not necessarily great running them with sisters you know as a separate army but I- I'm at least going to try to get this one finished. I took like a month or so off doing any real serious paintings. So I'm kind of getting back into it. All right. So that now, now, now that we haven't skipped that part, <laughs> that will take us to uh, the morale phase. And I'm going to talk about a game. This is not a new game, but it's a game that both Dennis and I have gotten back into lately, although on different platforms. So we can't play together, unfortunately. But uh, Dennis, you and I have returned to Destiny 2 recently.
2: Yeah, I had some friends talk about it and get me back into it. And it's been nice to kind of, I, I don't want to say change of pace, but it, it's a different style of game because it's a um, shooter. And it, it's been a lot of fun. You, you travel around from planet to planet doing missions for the air quote good guys called the Vanguard. And you get a fight against Vex, which are kind of like Necrons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hive which are Um, kind of like death guard tyranid yeah
1: and the cabal which are basically space marines but tau
2: i didn't think of them like that but yeah i can see how that works well they
1: even have like the the scions are like a client race so it's like having psychic (laughs) crew
2: i'm gonna look at them differently
1: now thank you you're welcome and then the (laughs) fallen which are like crude pirates
2: I guess kind of. I'm more view them as the the kind of chaos demony type. No, no, they're they're not demons. They're they're like actually a
1: culture that used to have the the big. Uh, they had they had the traveler and the traveler left and they went to Earth because they were chasing after it to get it back.
2: Oh, you said fallen. I was saying taken. Okay.
1: Yeah. No, the taken are like possessed chaos demon versions yes. of the fallen. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, or of, of everything basically, but, uh, so yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a loot shooter, you know, so, you know, it's all about killing things, getting gear. Uh, my partner calls it your loud alien genocide game (laughs) because you, you kill a lot of aliens, (laughs) um, but it, it's, like, everything's kind of on a, a weekly schedule, so it's got a bunch of, like, there are just missions and things, like, hey, this week, like, once you get up to, like, the level cap, it basically was like, hey, if you do this many of this kind of mission this week, you get more, you get, like, special gear that will help raise your level even further. Uh, there's lots of different kinds of activities. Uh, it's an absolutely beautiful game to look at and play. It's done by Bungie, so if you've ever played a Halo game, expect that same level of gunplay. Uh, it's, it's fast, it's frenetic. Um, there's all sorts of weapons. Like when they started, it was like rifle, like different kinds of rifles, shot, uh, shotguns, missile launchers. They've since added bows and swords to it. And, uh, there's all kinds of different grenade launchers, uh, laser rifles that just fire coherent beams rather than individual shots. like, there's a plate and there's like three different classes, each with three different subclasses, which themselves have very... More subclasses. So you can really decide what kind of play you want. Um, it is free.
2: What? It's coming out in November. They're adding a fourth subclass to each.
1: Yes. Every, every faction get, or every, yeah, every class gets a fourth subclass. In, it was originally in September, but as I said, due to COVID, everything gets delayed. So that has now been pushed to November. Um, if you want to get in, now is a good time because In November, they're moving the storyline forward a bit more. They've been doing, like, episodic, like, every quarter, been doing, like, a season that moves the story forward. And the one that was going to hit in September and will now hit in November is actually going to close off a few planets, and then a couple of new ones will open up. So uh, now is actually a good time to get in and kind of play some of those activities. Yeah, if... You know, before they go away and go into what they call the vault, which means they could come back later in some form. But uh, they they are going to be kind of rotating content out. Uh, it is free to play. You can download the base version uh, like on the PlayStation Store, Xbox Store, Steam. Uh, however, uh, if you want to play the current storyline and get into or get into the new Expansion that will hit in November. You do have to pay for those, uh, but yeah, the game does have you know it's got a lot of good gameplay and like I said, very neat to look at. And they do have microtransactions, but they are really just cosmetic. Like and they've made it so that uh, you don't you can still have some really cool looking gear without having to pay anything beyond the price of like the the subscription which, again, is like a one-off subscription for like a whole year's worth of content. So it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I just kind of like one day and it was it was funny because like, like about a month or so ago, I was just sitting down and going through looking at games that I had installed on my PS4 and I was like, hmm, I haven't played Destiny in a while since they went <laughs> free to play. I wonder how it is right now. And I had not played since they did their switch over to free to play, so like I had, you know, I kind of had to to retweak everything, and like all my gear was way out of date. But I was able to level up and catch up with the rest of the game very quickly, and play you know play through like play through the basic storyline of the latest season. And I've been having fun, and it's something like I you can throw throw a lot of time and effort into it, but like I'll play like a couple hours, a couple of days a week. And then I've, like, I've done my stuff for the week, and I'm happy, and, I you know, I got my fix. And then finding out, like, I'm sitting here on my computer, and all of a sudden I still see a little Steam Alert. Dennis is now playing Destiny 2. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then found Whoa. out, like, a r- yeah, around the same time, like, you got into it with, like, friends that you know from, like, other online gaming, right?
2: Yeah, they they said, hey, since the, the main game we play is had its releases delayed as well um i said hey why don't we check this out again it's been a couple years and i was like i kind of did it begrudgingly just to see what it was like again because i had some gripes that it was in the past if you fell off the leveling slash loot train you were just so far behind you you just couldn't catch up but I had the same experience you mentioned, Rob. Within like a few days, I was caught up to the new cap, so I felt like I could contribute to the new content, and I did buy the expansion so I could actually play all the current content that they've got out now. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think it's it was more fun just playing with people I knew, and and I think that's what what drew me in is the social aspect of hey, here's these guys online. I mean, there's so much you can do solo, and technically sometimes there'd be like three of us online, but all of us are doing our own thing, but it's nice to have the opportunity of saying, Hey, I want to go run this. You guys interested. And then people can pop in the party. You can just pop on their, theirs and just go. And like you said, um, shoot things, get loot, be done. (laughs) So,
1: yeah. And there's a, like, there's a lot of matchmaking in the game. So if you like, I, my every because like A I'm on a different platform than you so I can't play with you. Although they do have cross cross-platform accounts, so if I wanted to, I could install the game on my PC. I'd have to rebuy the DLC, which is one reason I haven't. Right. Because I'd have to buy a second copy of it. But then I could just basically mark my character as cross-platform and then like play on the play on the PC. Have all my like have my character the way they are on the PS4 play it, save my progress and then go back to the PS4 and have all the progress I made on the PC reflected there. So that's, that's very cool, but I don't want to drop in the hundred dollars on like that in the expansion.
2: Yeah. And, and well, I think some of it is either the, I know I think it's the season passes carry over. One of them carries over between the two, but I didn't pay that much attention, but that's one of the reasons why we, I got restarted is, one of the guys plays Xbox only, but since cross platform had become a thing and it's very stable now, mm-hmm. he's playing with us on PC, which he couldn't do in the past because we were on PC and he was on Xbox.
1: Yeah, I think Xbox and PC do allow cross platform together,
2: but like, no, I mean, you know, he, he he has both. Oh, versions. he went ahead and bought it on Steam. But yeah, the, the cross save, like you're saying. Okay, gotcha. He can actually play on both, so now. If he's got friends on Xbox, he plays with the guys on Xbox. If he sees us on, he comes over and plays with us on PC.
1: Cool. So, yeah, it, it's I, I think it it's fun to get back to it and it's fun to just shoot things up. And yeah. there, like I said, so many activities and a lot of it does have matchmaking. So, like I said, if you don't know anybody, like like I said, my like they have clans you can join in the game. Mine, I'm the, I
2: think I'm the only person still in the clan. But
1: yeah,
2: uh, the thing, when we came back, we, we said, oh, almost everybody's gone. This is weird. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I uh, but th- there's there's so many things where it's like, oh, here this particular kind of event. We'll find two other people who are doing the same kind of event and throw them into a group with you. And it yeah. works. It works really well. You know, so but then there's other stuff where like they don't support matchmaking and you have to have a predetermined group. So, for example, like all the raids in the game you have to have a pre tr- you have to have a, a group going into it otherwise you're going to solo it and you will fail because they're well, not made to be soloed
2: well and that that's because most of the raids have a lot of mechanics that you have to have c- communicated in coordination
1: right i mean yeah it's to. it's made to be that way like they want you to be uh like that but at the same time like there's plenty of group like there's like if you find go to the it's reddit slash our destiny the game is, is the destiny reddit. And there are links there that will take you to looking for group discord channels and things like that. So you can find people to play with if you like if you want to join a new clan or if you want to find people to do those non match made activities. You can find find people. There's com- entire communities that popped up supporting that. But yeah, uh, like I said, it's free to play. So try it out. If And if it seems to, like, tickle something that uh, you, you w- w- didn't know you were missing or you had put it away for a while and came back to it, um, give it a try. It doesn't really cost you anything other than the time and space to download it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I've had a lot of fun with it. You have, too. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time. And speaking of time, that is ours. So this wraps up episode 221. Uh, next episode i'd like to talk about crusade we'll see if we get a chance to to do that more now that we all have copies of the rule book to go through but until that time uh from all of us here at preferred enemies i'm rob kevin dennis good night good gaming and oh hopefully the app will get here in some usable form good night